This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 109 for Thursday, September 29th, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter 2's Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347 324 3541. Again, that call in number is 347 324 3541. All right. We got a couple of things to get out of the way for housekeeping this week. I got a lot of announcements I want to make. And um, I'm running a little short staff just because Slick is experiencing some travel difficulties due to a lightning strike on the Long Island Railroad. So I am hoping that he will be able to join us later on in the broadcast. I am hoping he's having success in getting home only because the Long Island Railroad service was suspended in both directions. So, you know, uh, hopefully Slick will be able to join us by 1130, maybe 12 o'clock. So I'll be keeping an eye on that. I'll be working the board. So if I sound a little distracted, know that I'm doing a little bit more multitasking than usual. So I wanted to just give you guys the heads up in case you notice things are running a little weird. Um, also, we have... Tested the simulcasting with Mixler today once again. Last week I tested it and we were experiencing some issues due to the hardware that I have. It seems that the hardware that I'm using, it's an Alesis Multimix 8. I'm sure you guys will get a kick out of this. It's a USB based mixer that plugs in obviously via USB ports and it has four inputs, etc., etc., etc. So it seems that there's an issue with the USB portion of the mixer that has a short, which results in the Mixler feed only being broadcast through one speaker. And then the other issue that it has is that the levels are completely, completely off. So it ends up sounding a lot louder than it should, which, you know, isn't, isn't bad, but I think can definitely be improved. With that said... I am working on probably replacing the mixer by next week's episode, but this week I'm actually running it hardwired into the computer, so some of you may notice that my voice may be a little louder, or it may be extra clear, etc., etc. That's just because I'm running a, a straight connection into the sound card. If there's any degradation of sound, any issues, please let me know. Um, the Mixler service is something new I'm using. It's actually allowing me to simulcast a show to be able to listen to, to be heard on the fan page because it seems that a lot of people love Facebook oh so much that they cannot escape. 
And the problem with that, obviously, is that they can't escape Facebook, so I have to get that audience another way. If you go to the My Take Radio fan page, you can actually click um, a section on the left column called Live on Mixler, and you'll be able to listen to the show that way as well. Still working the bugs out. Um, one of my reasons for doing this is just looking for other avenues to to separate myself a little bit from Blog Talk Radio as much as possible due to um, a couple of issues. But until then, I am going to try and just find other avenues and other ways to get the show out live that people can enjoy. The Facebook thing is just an added bonus being able to post it on Facebook, but... That's another outlet as well, Blog Talk Radio, and of course you can listen to it on our apps and also on Stitcher. Now, last week and the week before I've been giving you guys details about something that we're going to be doing for a community gaming event happening the week of October 24th. Now, I'm still in the process of working it out, but I wanted to make sure that you guys were... Um, were well, you guys heard it first. Basically, um, for those of you that know me personally, you know that um, I lost my mom to breast cancer 11 years ago. And I'll be 100% honest with you guys. I've been I've been a bitter motherfucker since. And I think this kind of ties into the monologue for this week. And as such, I refused to do any type of, you know, I guess it, I didn't want to be involved in any type of charitable functions only because the bitterness I felt at raising money to to do something and to I guess I guess the way I saw it was I'm gonna go and raise money and do all this stuff, but it's not gonna bring my mother back, which was stupid. But regardless of the fact, I ended up having a moment of clarity and realizing that instead of sitting here bitching about it and complaining, that I should do something about it and. Um, this this is actually um, what inspired me to do what we're going to be doing. The ba the pretty much the basic premise is we are going to do a five day community gaming event starting October twenty fourth all the way till that Friday. The community gaming event is going to be for fighting game fans. Prime well not only but primarily and it's going to be. Not only a way to reach out to the video gaming, the video game community that listens to the show, but also to reach out to the MMA community who are also gamers and just not only do something for a good cause, but bring that audience together. With that said, the charity event, and I'm sure you guys are going to laugh, is going to be Brawling for Boobies. That is the, that is the name of the charity event. It's going to be Brawling for Boobies. It's going to be five days. We're going to do... A different game each day. We're doing it in con in partnership with Unveil. We're doing it um, with well with Unveil with our buddies at Middle Easy. We got help from MMA Valor and a couple of other sites and personalities are going to be involved. And the the it's simple. We're going to do five different games. People can play every night. We'll probably do it from like nine to eleven or eight to eleven. Um, we're going to try and get some pro gamers in there, and it's just going to be something for people to just hang out and shoot the shit and play some fighting games. It'll allow people to meet 
some of the other listeners. And not only that, but it'll it, it's all for a good cause. Anybody who participates, the only thing we ask is that you donate through the donate page that we are setting up. And once that's done, just make sure when you donate, you put your gamer tag. It'll help us gauge and thank those people that donate. And um, that's pretty much it. As of right now, we are scheduling it with probably Mortal Kombat on Monday, um, EA Sports MMA on Tuesday, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 on Wednesday, Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition on Friday, and maybe either UFC Undisputed or Third Strike Online on Thursday as well. Um, that's pretty much how we're breaking it. We may do a twofer on Friday and do Third Strike and Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition, maybe split it uh, 9 to maybe 9 to 10, and then do 11 to 12. Either way is fine, but I, I saw that Dark Helmet uh, put Brawling for Boobies in the question mark. Um, I did it for a couple of reasons. I wanted to make it approachable. I think that a lot of charity events... Uh, preacher they use gloom and doom to kind of guilt you into donating i'm not saying that that's not that that's not a bad thing but i wanted to make it lighthearted and fun for the gaming community and also for our listeners everybody that listens to the show knows i like to joke around and crack jokes and have a few laughs i mean don't get me wrong i'm high strung rude angry and a bunch of other things, but when it comes to doing something for, for a good cause, I'll definitely step up to the plate and roll with the punches. And with that said, we are hopefully going to be able to live stream this stuff. I'm working on getting with probably Unveil and a couple of other people. I think Middle Easy is going to help us out also. And we're going to be able to live stream all the gameplay, hopefully either on Ustream, on the Ustream channel, or through Middle Easy's channel, or even through YouTube. So that's pretty much it, folks. I'm actually going to record a video. I am going to get in front of the camera for it and just um, say exactly what you guys are hearing first, but to a, to a broader audience. Not that you that I don't have uh, you know thousands of people listening to the show because we do, but to an audience that can embrace it and see that there's actually a face behind this event. And like I said, our, our partners at Unveil, our friends at Middle Easy, MMA Valor, I think MMA Gospel wants to get involved. Um, Billy Nichols uh, reached out to me today. He wants to get involved from Structure Gaming. So I, I want to do this, like I said, I want to do it big just because it, it's therapy for me. It's for a good cause. And best of all, all the money goes straight to Susan Komen. You guys will be able to go right to the donation page. You'll see that your donations are going straight there. There's no middleman. We're not touching any money. We're not doing any of that shit. It's completely 100% transparent. You guys get to see your money at work. And I'm very, I'm very proud of it. And hopefully, if it all goes according to plan and it's successful, I'd like to do a gaming event probably in November for the armed forces and we're going to work on something like that maybe involving gears battlefield and um probably call of duty and i'm actually sharing that with you guys first i've given that a lot of thought as well just for the armed forces something different and we can do some some really crazy stuff with that and reach out to the fps gamers as well so that's the big announcement for that uh, the other announcement I wanted to make regards is in regards to the show being on Stitcher. 
obviously stitcher is is one of our newest um ways for you to listen to the show and the cool thing about stitcher is that you don't have to download any mp3s you don't have to put any mp3s on your phone etc etc you just download the stitcher app and you can actually stream the episodes that way if you are unable to get the mtr app now what i've decided to do in order to reward our listeners on stitcher is that all the exclusives that are on the mtr app minus a few small things that i'm gonna keep exclusive for you guys that have the app is that i'm gonna make uh, mtr beyond the mic and behind the mic available to stitcher subscribers now with that said if you go to stitcher.com slash my take you will see an official my take radio page on stitcher but the cool thing is that stitcher is going to give our listeners a hundred dollars for signing up you have to enter the promo code my take m y t a k e and they will randomly select a listener and give them a one hundred dollar gift card so do yourselves a favor if you don't want to get the app or you don't want to have all the mp3s bogging up your device head over to stitcher.com slash my take enter my take in the promo code and you'll be entered to win a $100 gift card courtesy of our friends at stitcher now the cool thing is the stitcher app can be used on the ios devices android devices web os devices and blackberries as well um, if you are using a blackberry device i believe you have to e email stitcher and give them the promo code directly so that you can be entered for the $100 gift card drawing so that's the announcement with regards to Stitcher. The other announcement is that the My Take Radio store, the t-shirt store, well, the clothing is officially back online. We got a couple of designs on there. Um, I put a new design with the boombox on an American Apparel shirt, which is nice, high-quality shirts. You can check that out on the My Take Radio store. Just head over to MyTakeRadio.com and click the tab there, and it'll take you right to the marketplace. I, I put a hoodie up a baseball t-shirt for the fall and also an American apparel uh, light gray t-shirt with our logo on it I am gonna be putting up some other designs I'm trying to get with some other artists to do different things so expect that to grow in the coming weeks in addition to that I've been in the lab a lot and we also launched our Amazon affiliate store which everything that we talk about on the show all the movies and blu-rays we discuss games gadgets all that gear is gonna be in the Amazon store and the cool part about it is that you get to go through the Amazon store it takes you right to Amazon you can buy any of the products and it'll help out MTR so if you want any games movies blu-rays um, accessories gadgets just head over to the store and you'll be able to get any of that stuff and like I said you don't have to enter any personal information on the site it takes you directly to Amazon and Amazon handles your purchase it's just another way for us to give back to you guys and give you another uh, one-stop solution to get some of the stuff we talk about on air and also on the show so do yourselves a favor check that out I'm gonna be adding more blu-rays I'm gonna add graphic novels I've started adding some gadgets and gear mostly stuff that we've reviewed or stuff we've talked about on other broadcasts but you will see other stuff on there as well some tablets and stuff that we've been talking about you'll see that on there as well so check that out by heading over to the mtr amazon store tab on mytakeradio.com and you'll be able to take advantage of that as well the get glue stickers i believe should go live i'm i'm hearing two weeks 
maybe in November. I'm hearing two week, either two the last two weeks in October or the third week in November, only because everything has to mesh well and we're trying to get everything on point. Once that's finalized, I'll of course announce it on air. As of right now, we're looking at three stickers. We have the Black Rage sticker, which is I, I'm still trying to work out the criteria for you to have to, to earn that sticker. There's also going to be a Yeah Man sticker, and um, maybe we'll do something special with regards to some of our partners. We'll work something out, maybe MTR Unveiled or a, a sticker like that for the super fans. So make sure if you are using Get Glue, you check into My Take Radio, and who knows, one day you'll check in and you'll get a sticker. Um, the designs for the stickers are going to be quite amusing. I particularly like the idea and the mock-up I saw for the Black Rage um, sticker, which I'm sure Slick will enjoy when he sees it. But um, that's where we are with that. Our guests this week are going to be Justin and John, a.k.a. Weasel and 6OK from 15 Minutes of Game. 15 Minutes of Game is a, a really great podcast. I don't, I've said it countless times on the show, I don't listen to many podcasts that are similar to what we do, only because I don't want any inadvertent influences um, messing with the creativity of the show, or I don't want to have people saying that we steal their shit. I don't want that. 15 Minutes of Game is a is a is a is a minuscule nugget of of awesomeness and i'm not even saying it because they're my guests they primarily focus on the community side of gaming building your communities um working working your way into the community whether you want to do community management or anything on the back end of the gaming industry they're really very informative they give you awesome information for in in 15 minutes and they also talk about some other stuff as well including comics they talk about some games. They also talk about events and how to conduct yourself at events and how to build your brand. And one thing I've enjoyed about listening to their shows is that they like to acknowledge the community. And when I mean acknowledge the community, they do what's called a community call out every episode. And they acknowledge a site that you may not have heard of or you may not know about. And I really enjoyed listening to all their episodes i'm fully caught up now and one of the sites i'm i'm gonna reach out to because i'd like to talk to is able gamers about um video games geared towards the, the disabled community and the reason i really appreciated that community call out and i'm gonna thank them for it is because you know bo both of my sisters are disabled my oldest sister is a gamer so it's nice seeing that type of an outlet out there for that and i'm actually hoping to talk to abled gamers as well in a couple of weeks so be on the lookout for that uh weasel and 6ok should be joining us around 11:30. next week's guest is an open bag i have no idea who the guests are going to be i've been working on so many different guests and so much different stuff that you may not know what guest we have until late tuesday or wednesday but we are working on a couple of really kick-ass guests and we got a lot of stuff that's going to blow your mind for the app exclusives and for the Stitcher audience as well. We got new articles that went live this week. Make sure to stop by MyTakeRadio.com, see the work that Slick has put into the Archer Heart of Archness uh, three-part series that's been put out. He's put up uh, write-ups for the first episode and the second, and I'm sure there'll be a third write-up. 
before the weekend is over. Um, as always, Slick delivers when it comes to that type of content. I'm, I don't watch Archer personally, but I can tell you that reading the, his descriptions on the episodes makes me feel like I'm missing out, and I may have to do it to myself and sit down and watch it. I don't know why I just never sat down to do it. I felt that at, at initially it wasn't my cup of tea, but there's way too much funny shit that Slick puts in his write-ups that have motivated me to want to check it out. He also posted a write-up for the newest episode of Young Justice, which had Dr. Hugo Strange in it, and he's actually using a, a new post format going forward, and the Young Justice post, the Young Justice post shows it. So you're gonna see, um, you're gonna see something very, very different with this particular post from Slick. But if you're a fan of Young Justice and you want a, a nice more opinionated as opposed to recap style post i recommend you check that out as for yours truly i've put up a, a, some movie stuff and since we've started working with marvel my inbox looks like a csi crime scene with tons of information coming through from marvel for all their upcoming comics and storylines and i'm really really trying to get it out there as quick as possible sometimes i just want to put a little blurb and and give you guys the skinny on what they sent us I really want to work on breaking down the stuff that they send me even more so, but I'm also trying to read all the books that they're talking about. So you're going to see an increase in comic book activity all the way up to Comic-Con, so be on the lookout for that. And lastly, our new writer Ben Anderson starts October 1st officially on his 30-day trial period with MTR. You're going to start seeing some stuff from him. He's going to be doing... He, he's probably going to focus on MMA, but I'm sure as a gamer, he may want to venture into the gaming side of things as well. So if you see Ben in the forums, he is blackout. Do yourselves a favor. Just um, say hello, introduce yourselves, and um, he's going to be around on the forums too. What else do I have? There was something else I had to tell you guys. Oh, yeah. Comic-Con. Comic-Con is pretty much, I'd say, two weeks away. We are going to be broadcasting that week on Wednesday because Thursday is press day for Comic-Con. So um, that's going to be Wednesday, October 13th. So it's probably going to be same time, 11 p.m., just a day earlier. Our MTR Behind the Mic and Beyond the Mic series are going to be getting more new content this week. I actually posted an interview with Mike Kingston. He is the creator and writer for the Headlocked comic. The, uh, Headlocked is a comic book that follows the journey of Mike Hartman through uh, his rise into professional wrestling. It's a really great, honest look at the professional wrestling side of things, but just not over the top like the shitty WWE comic books, but more, more, a little bit more grounded. I mean, they they have some fun with the characters, and Mike was kind enough to sit down with us and go beyond the mic and give us a little bit of insight into how he created the book, what was his inspiration, his work with all with all the different artists that get the book out there. If you want to check it out, obviously get the app or download Stitcher and you can hear it that way. But if you want to check out the comic, head over to headlockedcomic.com and you can learn about all the characters, but you can also download individual issues for a dollar. You can get digital downloads of the book for one dollar. So do yourselves a favor, if you're a wrestling fan and you like comics, you want to check it out, stop over at headlock.com uh, headlock uh, headlock 
and look him up on Facebook. Let him know we sent you and let Mike know what you thought of the book. I'm sure he would appreciate it. All right. I think that's all the housekeeping we got. Um, I guess my monologue is the brawling for boobies, which the site will go live probably within the next week or so. Until then, if you are on Twitter and you want to um, express your support, the hashtag is probably going to be B4B2K11. Um, that's probably going to be the hashtag for it. Um, or BFB, probably B4B is a little easier um, a, a hashtag to use. So be on the lookout for that. Tonight's topics, we're going to talk UFC 135. We're going to talk some Bellator. We're going to talk Wrestling Revolution news. We got some gaming news, including uh, Gears of War 3 already hitting a record-breaking milestone. We got your movie news, but one thing I'm going to tell you guys in advance is that given that we have guests this evening, things may be a little out of whack with regards to how some of the segments are going to go. So if anything gets left out, I apologize, but I'm sure it will get covered next week. Let me try and actually not go through the fight recaps first because that's going to take a little longer. So I'm just going to go into the main MMA news and uh, let's see if the switchboard wants to play nice with us this week. All right. First off, we're going to have some Bellator news. I don't talk about Bellator often, and I kick myself in the ass every week for forgetting to put you guys onto them. They are another promotion that does uh, their fights in a tournament-style format. Really awesome promotion. They have a lot of great up-and-coming fighters, and they are on MTV2. Usually every Saturday they do an event, and thus far... All the fights they've put out, I've put some highlights on our Facebook fan page, have delivered. Um, this past weekend, we were treated to some devastating knockouts, one of which was a flying knee KO, which was right on par with Sagat from Street Fighter in terms of viciousness. This guy came in as, as soon as he found the opening, ran in with a, with a flying knee and put this guy to sleep, which was a fantastic highlight for sure. Bellator is a great up-and-coming organization, and... There are rumors that they will be moving to Spike TV, which is great. But um, if you're curious and you have MTV2, definitely check them out. So the first bit of news from Bellator is that the women's 150-pound champion, Zoila Gurgel, uh, previously Zoila Frosto, she married uh, George Gurgel, will be facing Karina Dam in a non-title fight at Bellator 57. Bellator 57 will be taking place November 12th at Casino Rama in Rama, Ontario, Canada. In some Strike Force news, Strike Force is looking to hold an event December 17th in San Diego at the Valley View Casino Center. The card as of right now only has a couple of fights finalized, the main event being Gilbert Melendez versus Jorge Masvidal, and the return of Chris Cyborg Santos. She's going to be taking on um, Hiroko Yamanaka, who is one of the best 145-pound women's f women f female fighters out of Japan. Definitely uh, YouTube, Hiroko Yamanaka, and you'll see some of her fights. Also announced was Gegard Musasi versus Ovin St. Prue, which is going to be an awesome fight. Uh, OSP is, is definitely one of those young lions that's coming up. Guy is an exciting fighter to watch. 
He's humble. I believe he was on MMA Gospel, if I remember correctly, uh, a couple of weeks back. And um, ju- just a, a great fighter and, and an awesome talent. And taking on Gegard Mousasi is going to be uh, a fight of the night for sure. This weekend, we got UFC on versus number six. That's going to be taking place this Saturday. If you're in Washington, D.C., it's at the Verizon Center. And once again, free MMA is never a bad thing. If you have the versus network, there's going to be some exciting fights on that card for you, including a bantamweight title fight, which is your main event with Dominic Cruz taking on Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. You got Pat Barry taking on Stefan Struve, which is a fight that I'm super pumped to see. I'm such a huge fan of Pat Barry. Pat Barry's an exciting fighter. His Muay Thai style is so vicious. His leg kicks are ridiculous. And he's going to be taking on Stefan Struve, who is pretty much a, a giant in the heavyweight division. He is a foot taller than Pat Barry, and they've been having a lot of fun on Twitter promoting their fight and Demetrius Johnson as well. So... If you want to check out some exciting MMA, definitely that Pat Barry, Stefan Struve, and Dominic Cruz and Demetrius Johnson are going to be awesome fights on this card. In addition to that, you got Charlie Brenneman and Anthony Rumble Johnson. I'm a big Rumble Johnson fan, so that's going to be a an awesome fight as all as well. And Mac Danzig versus Matt Wyman. I like Mac Danzig as well. He was great on The Ultimate Fighter, and he always has has such a great humble disposition i see some of his posts on twitter he's just a a real dude and i like watching him fight on the prelims you got eve edwards and rafael Oliveira, michael johnson and paul sass mike easton and jeff hooglin uh josh near and keith wisniewski joseph sandoval and Willell watson and those fights are probably going to be on facebook so look up the ufc on facebook hit the li- the like button and you'll be able to watch those fights The UFC also has finalized their pay-per-view bouts for UFC 139. That's going to be taking place at the Shark Tank, November 19th in San Jose, California. Your main event, Dan Henderson, is going to be taking on Mauricio Shogun Hua. Your co-main event, San Diego's own Kung Lee, will be taking on Vanderlei Silva. Kung Lee, of course, is a friend of the show. Um, I can't even do a pick for this fight because I've been a fan of Vanderlei since the Pride days, and watching him fight is always a treat, and Kung Lee is, a, is an awesome martial artist, and uh, a, just a cool dude all around, and he was such a great guest on the show, uh, I'd be heartbroken to watch him lose, but Vanderlei's Vanderlei, so <laughs> I'm not even going to make a pick for that fight when it comes time for fight picks. Brian Bowles and Uriah Faber are also on that card, Martin Campman and Rick Story, and Stefan Bonner versus Kyle Kingsbury on your pay-per-view portion of that card. On the prelims, Nick Pace and Miguel Torres, Ryan Bader versus Jason Brills, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Glayson Tebow, Tom Lawler versus Chris Weedman, and Johnny Eduardo is going to be taking on Michael McDonald. All solid fights, UFC 139, November 19th on pay-per-view. Do yourselves a favor, check that out. Um, huh, I just got a, a note from uh, my friend Mike at MediaCast on Twitter, he told me that Mixler sounds good. It's a little too loud. I'm guessing that my my main mix audio is a little loud. I don't know if uh, I guess I'm looking at I'm looking at the levels on the mixer. They seem okay. I guess I gotta bring that volume down a bit so I don't blow out people's eardrums. Otherwise, people are just gonna hate my fucking guts. So we don't really don't want that. Let's bring that down a bit. Maybe bring down the mic volume. All right. Anyway, 
Let me get back into it. Oh, I lost my place on my notes. I guess I can go through one of the cards which I really wanted to talk about. It was Dream 17. That was on HDNet. Our friend Razor Rob McCullough was fighting Shinya Aoki. I stayed up till 3 a.m. to see this live on HDNet from Japan. Not only to talk about it with you guys, but I love watching Japanese MMA. They do such a great presentation. It's so exciting to watch. The, you have some theatrics in there, but the the rules are a little different. You got your stomps, you got your 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 knees to on the ground. Always exciting stuff to see. Not only that, but there were some really memorable fights. Um, Joaquin Hansen versus Kawajiri. Sakuraba was fighting. Gerald Harris was fighting. Bibiano Fernandez was fighting on this card. And, of course, Razor Rob and Shinya Aoki. I'm not going to go through all the fights, but I will tell you that the um, some of the fights that were on here were just amazing. Uh, Bibiano Fernandez versus Takafumi Otsuka I expected to be a slugfest. As it turns out, Bibiano Fernandez ended up winning the fight via submission with a rear naked choke at 41 seconds of the first round. It was crazy, though, because they came out, um, Bibiano came out as a ball of fire trading punches. And at one point, Fernandez ducked a hook and took Otsuka down, at which point it was just a matter of you blinked and he had his back and he just locked in that rear naked choke. And it was game over. Also, Gerald Harris, uh, formerly from the UFC, he was taking on Katsuhiro Nakamura. Very exciting performance from Harris. He ended up taking it via split decision. Also, the other fight I wanted to talk about was, of course, MMA legend Kazushi Sakuraba. He was taking on Jan Cabral. A lot of people have said that Sakuraba really needs to retire. He needs to hang it up. But you could... You could fucking beat that guy to death and he'd probably get out of his grave and still fight sakuraba went in there and you know he did his thing he looked pretty good i think after that that getting his ear nearly ripped off the last time i watched him fight he would wait a little bit and and come back and take a not not a a, um, a, a tomato can opponent but just an opponent that wouldn't come in there and handle him the way he did Cabral in the first round looked really good against Sakuraba. In the second, he was really headhunting, going to going for the KO. At one point, Sakuraba came and had a really great offensive flurry in the second round, and Cabral tied him up, took him to the ground. Cabral then secured side control, and it was an arm triangle to take out uh, Sakuraba in the second round. Kaoluna also fought on on this card and. I really wasn't going to talk about this fight, but it ended so viciously. Uh, the KO that uh, Takeshi Inoue delivered was insane. It was a hard right hand. All you saw was Kao Uno pretty much like a tree just fall over. I was like, holy shit. He, he, he actually stiffened up, which was which was crazy because usually when I see KOs like that, I get worried just because you don't know if the guy's not going to get up or not just because he was flattened out like a board. Joaquin Hansen and Kawajiri is a fight that the the it was all over twitter people were were pumped about it my buddy bloodstain lane uh he was torn about who he would pick for this fight i like watching kawajiri fight he's really exciting i'm surprised he hasn't made his way to the u.s uh full time because he he'd really be a, a good addition to either strike force or the ufc full time uh great performance from him in the first two rounds but in the second round uh hansen was more aggressive bringing the fist to Kawajiri's chin, at which point Kawajiri did tie him up to slow things down. But Hansen struck back 
and dropped Kawajiri to a knee. Kawajiri at that point went for a, a takedown, grabbing Hanson by the waist, successfully takes him down. Kawajiri locked in an arm triangle, and that was a wrap. Hanson went to sleep in round three. Um, nice featherweight debut for Kawajiri. Very impressed. He, he looked like he was in trouble in that third round when Hanson started delivering some serious shots, but he came back, took the submission in round three. Great performance. Our buddy Razor Rob took on Shinya Aoki. Aoki is a uh, legendary Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, um, is a master when the fights go to the ground. It's lights out 99% of the time. I was pulling for Razor Rob, though. Razor Rob is no slouch. Um, and it was funny because as soon as the fight started, Aoki went in for the shoot. McCullough ended up doing a sprawl. But Aoki still forced him down. And it was funny because Razor Rob is, has more mass to him. So I figured he would um, he would go in and really try and impose his will from a size from a size standpoint only because um you know aoki's a more has a more wiry frame that was not the case unfortunately mccullough at one point was getting caught with palm strikes from aoki aoki secured side control mccullough tried to spin out and aoki just boom grabbed the back aoki did a couple of knees to the head which looked a little questionable um I looking at the replay, I couldn't really tell for sure, but he ended up securing the victory with a rear naked choke. Um, impressive victory from Aoki. Razor Rob looked really good though. Um, he was trying to stuff a lot of takedowns, but Aoki's on. He it's like the dudes from another planet. I was uh, as always impressed. Why Shinya Aoki is not fighting in the UFC at this point is it, it, it escapes me. I don't know if it's money. I don't know if it's language barrier, but Aoki challenging for a belt at 155 against either Frankie Edgar or Gray Maynard would be ridiculous. Even if he dropped down to 145, maybe him and Jose Aldo would be a fantastic super fight as well. Slick has just informed me that our guests are here, so I am going to bring them in. Let me just uh, get to this soundboard real quick. What's going on, Justin? Welcome to the show. What's up? Thanks for having me on. All right, man. I am uh, waiting your partner in crime. You know, you're going to be waiting for a while. That guy's always late. Ah, your BA, your BA Baracus to your your BA Baracus to your face. Yeah. <laughs> where, where is she? I do not know. I don't know. I would I would classify yeah. myself as Murdoch at this point. <laughs> Crazy. Yes, absolutely. Um. Well, I actually, I gave the listen. We just got done recording our show, so he said he was on his way, so hopefully he should be there. I actually was giving our listeners a little bit of background about your show, but I wanted to also take the opportunity to talk about the game that you're involved in before Weasel gets here, which is Orcs Must Die, because you you also work with Robot. So uh, tell the listeners a little bit about Orcs Must Die, and then we'll get into 15 minutes of game as well. Sure. Orcs Must Die is uh, it's an action strategy game. It's the first original game from Robot Entertainment. Um, if you guys don't know who Robot is, uh, it's sort of one of the, the studios that came out of the closure of Ensemble Studios. Ensemble made the Age of Empires franchise and Halo Wars. And when Microsoft shut them down, a handful of studios came out of it. Um, several of the big ones now were bought by Zynga, but Robot is one of the last big ones that's left. Um, we're uh, about 50 people now, started about 35, I think. 
but we're close to 50 people now. We're in Texas, and uh, we did Age of Empires Online for Microsoft uh, for the first about two years that we were open, and then uh, we've been working on our first original game, which is Orcs Must Die. It's an action strategy title. We developed it in about a year. It's sort of a blend of third-person shooter and tower defense. You play this character called the War Mage, and he has been tasked through the storyline with defending a series of magical rifts that uh, an army of orcs is trying to invade and pass through into, into the War Mage's homeworld. And there are fortresses built around these rifts that were explicitly built to protect them from uh, from orcs and these other creatures. And the creatures are breaking into the castles finally, and your job essentially is to use a series of magical weapons and spells and uh, traps, actual physical traps of various kinds to chop the orcs up and burn them and fling them into acid pits and do whatever you can to stop them from getting into the rifts uh, and on the other side. So that's sort of the, the high-level pitch. How was... um. What, what was the inspiration to come up with, with this style of a game? Because you said they were combining a little bit of a shooter with tower defense. Who came up with that concept and why go in that direction versus, say, a uh, you know a turn-based strategy game or or even an RPG? Well, you know, we, this crew, most of this crew, like I said, was from Ensemble. So they've been doing um, big real-time strategy games for a long time. Some of these guys have been, you know, working on age since literally the beginning. So it's been 15 years of doing these really, really big real-time strategy projects. And so there was a lot of kind of pent-up creative energy among these these guys at the studio. And so when the opportunity arose to kind of play around with some different ideas for, for what our next game was going to be, um, it was actually a very small group at first. There was about four people, I think, stuck off in the corner that were kind of saying, okay, what's our next game going to be and playing with different ideas. Um, and they looked at some of the games they've been playing, different things with horde types. You know, a lot of different games have a horde type of game mode to them. Um, they were looking at some of that. Some guys were playing power defense and literally they were like, well, hey, what if we took these two ideas and stuck them together? And we did some very early prototypes to see if it was, it was as fun as we thought it might be. And it turned out that it was really fun. And then once we started adding prototypes of some of the physics traps in, like the spring trap that shoots guys through the air, that you can use to launch them you know, into other traps or in acid pits, once we started doing that, and then once we got the blades, the wall blades in, which come out of the wall and chop guys into like big hand-sized chunks of you know, orc bits, those two things sort of happened at once. And the game, literally we were in playtest and we were just cracking up. And so we were like, okay, this game is a lot of fun to play. We hit on something good here, and then we just dove in feet first and developed it from there. I, I particularly like that you're using um, other avenues to promote the game besides, you know, using social media. You guys are also doing a comic with it as well, mm-hmm. which I which I particularly like. Which you know, yeah. given your 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 fondness for for comic books, I found I found particularly <laughs> fitting. And I actually, I, there was a smile on my face when I saw it. I'm like, all right, he's, he, that's a little bit of his roots coming out there. Was that something you had suggested, or was that something that was ironically put out there? Ironically, it wasn't me. Um, I mean, obviously, I love it, but um, you know, the comic book actually just came out uh, yesterday. Digital comic book. Um, you can, if you guys want to read it, it's at orcsmustdie.com. You can find it from there. Uh, hey, good probably in the, yeah, orphanasai.com and go to the story section. There's a link to it. Um, but anyway, the, the comic actually, we've got a huge team of artists. Like, uh, probably a quarter of our studio is artists, and maybe even a third, probably about a quarter. Um, 
somewhere in there. So we've got a lot of artists, and a lot of these guys actually have a similar um, love of comics uh, as mine, and, and they, a lot of these guys have worked on comics before. Um, and so when we were talking about a lot of marketing stuff and, and a lot of marketing opportunities, we're a small studio, so our budget isn't huge um, when it comes to marketing something like this because we're entirely self-funding this game. We're not taking publisher money to, you know, do anything, not even marketing. So uh, we started talking about, okay, what can we do different? How, can, how do we want to market this game? And again, like I said, a lot of these guys were coming off big AAA games, Halo Wars, Age of Empires. These are games that had you know, massive marketing budgets, and they did really, really big things. And so what you had was a, a team doing a small game, but the quality of the game was AAA quality. And so when it came to marketing, everybody sort of had these expectations of like, well, we should be treating this game and marketing this game like a big game. And you don't see something like a prequel comic for most, you know, arcade Xbox Live Arcade-sized games. You see that for the big games. You see that for the Dead Spaces and for the, you know, World of Warcraft and whatever. But, um, and Gears of War and things like that. So, anyway, one of our artists came came up to me and was like, hey, you know, I'd, I'd really love to do, like, a comic if, if you know, we'd be down for doing something like that for marketing. And immediately I was like, yes, we're doing it. And so it, it was kind of hard because it took a lot of time. We did it entirely in-house, uh, the art side of it anyway. Our lead designer who wrote the story in the game wrote the story for the comic. It's a whole prequel and it sets up the universe. And then I did a, a script based on the story, a script polish, and then one of our artists, we actually were able to, thankfully, carve out a big chunk of his time, like three weeks, um, to, to really focus and make the art and the comic really, really good. And so we did it. It's about a 15 or 16 page story. And then there's a special, um, section in the back where we actually had some of our, all, you know, several of our artists as well as friends of the studio, uh, create original pieces of art, like, like mini posters, if you will, um, based on the universe. So it's a really cool piece full of a ton of original artwork and we were able to do it all kind of in house and, you know, and, and it's just the kind of thing, like I said, you don't see for a little game like this. And that's one of the things I really like about Robot is they're willing to kind of go that extra mile to, to you know, pitch what is essentially a small game. And that game is coming it's out big, this week, it's right? It's a big small game. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, Orchard of Thai actually hits uh, October 5th on Xbox Live Arcade, and then uh, it hits uh, October 12th on Steam. So it's really close. It's right around the corner. Nice. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out, and I've just been informed that Weasel is on the line. I'm going to bring him in. Weasel. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome. There he is. Welcome to MTR, Sorry my friend. Sorry about that. User error, CPT, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I didn't want to say CPT. Um, you said no, I'll say it. I said it. <laughs> I'll do it. Yeah, I know. I know you guys do do the show a little differently, so I know some people, there's uh, some adjustment that has to go into it. I saw. I just got um, Justin's email asking about how does it work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we figured it out clearly. There you go. Not all well, of us, apparently. It's all good, man. It's all good. I was actually asking Justin about Orcs Must Die, and now that both of you gentlemen are here, I can also get into 15 minutes a game. As I, as I mentioned to Justin earlier when he came on, I gave the audience a little bit of a of a, of a nugget about... 15 minutes a game but it would be better served coming from you guys so you know can you guys collectively just break down what your intentions are with the show and you know where they can get it etc 
Wow, intentions assumes a lot. Yeah, that's what they, uh, what they call it. The show was accidental, bro. Uh, I mean, it was accidental. Like, literally, John and I have known each other for years, and, you know, you get us in a room and we, we talk a lot. And we've had people ask us for a long time, like, hey, you guys should do a podcast, you guys should do a podcast, and we kind of never had anything to talk about. And, <clears throat> like, it was about a year ago now, uh, September of last year, um, a couple of, I Rob Holkrantz and a couple of, well, it was Esco on Twitter, and a couple of other people were like, if you guys did a podcast, I would totally listen. I don't know how it got brought up, but a couple of people were like, yeah, you guys got to do one. And we just got an IM, and we're like, um, sure, I guess. And so we just got Skype and recorded. And like, it was, we, I don't even know how we settled on like what the topic was going to be. We decided early it was going to be a 15-minute show because we didn't want, that was one of our big gripes is, is you know, everybody's like, hey, listen to my podcast. And it's like, okay, check it out. Oh, my God, two and a half hours? I don't have two and a half hours. I have to work. Yikes. And so our big thing going into it was like, you know, it's got to be short. It's got to be 15 minutes of really useful conversation and get out of there. You know, let the, let the listener go. And so we kind of went with that, and we both have experience with community management and, and that kind of thing. And so I think that sort of came out of that, and we just started talking about doing community management. I mean, I don't know, John. Uh, do you remember how we kind of settled on all that? It was it was a couple things. I mean, it was more of us wanting to do something that people were going to find useful, you know. And both of us were in a position where we've been in the industry a while, and there was no one actually to kind of tell us how it should work and how you should do things. Um, a lot of what we had learned, we learned through trial and error and by accident and just, in some cases, dumb luck. And we thought yeah. that it would be good because both of us have a lot of people that are interested in breaking into the gaming industry and learning more about it as a business and stuff. And so we were like, well, why don't we just take this experience and tell people and just, you know, open the kimono and just tell people how it's kind of done because you don't really get that. You always get those kind of editorials and pieces of how you start in you know, what kind of classes you should take in school, but no one actually saying, no, this is kind of how it works and this is what you want to do. Because um, I know I would have found that useful, you know, 10 plus years ago, but it doesn't happen now, you know, and so we just want to take that kind of opportunity and do it. Well, and, that, and that's something that, you know, we both get questions that John said all the time, like, hey, I want to get in the industry, how do I do it? And I know last year, you know, in the spring, I started blogging about, like, six tips for community site leaders and stuff like that. And John and I would get on IM and, like, talk about stuff like, man, I can't believe so-and-so site is doing this, or have you seen this cool thing that this site's doing? And we're like, wait a minute, we should be, like, telling people this. Like, why are we not sharing this? Like, because nobody wants, really. I mean, I don't know of a lot of industry people who are, A, in a position to be able to, but because of our jobs, I think we're in a position to be able to talk about kind of how our jobs work without really offending anybody. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it's just easier that way. And honestly, if, if you had, God, I'm saving an idea, but anyway, if you had, like, other industry disciplines doing similar things and talking about it, I think it would get some really amazing listening, listenership. But just not a lot of people from the industry side do it. So, and when they do stuff from the industry side, it's, I mean, I know there's plenty of community managers and other people who do podcasts, but they do them about, 
the consumer side of gaming or something else entirely. I know, you know, Rob Bowling at Infinity Ward has a geek podcast where he talks about all things geek, and John Noonan, the test drive at Microsoft, has one where he talks about Xbox games. And But I don't think there's a lot of people talking about kind of the industry perspective of, of how things are. And John and I know a lot of the guys who run community sites, and it just seemed like a nice fit. Like, okay, well, you know, one or two people ask us every couple of days, why don't we just put it in a format where more people can listen to it, it's archived, and hopefully we can do something useful for people. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Well, here, I'll tell you, I have listened to every episode. I finished listening to your favorite superhero games episode, which I, <laughs> I enjoyed immensely. Um, I will tell you guys that one of my favorite superhero games is the Spider-Man arcade game. And also yeah. the X Men arcade game. <laughs> those were the X Men arcade game was amazing. There you go. It was great. Yeah. And um, it was a good game. I, I also wanted to tell you guys that I uh, appreciated you guys uh, acknowledging Able Gamers because I actually got to check them out because I had mentioned on air. You know, my my, my sister is disabled and she's a gamer. She has autism. She loves playing games. So I liked. Uh, you guys doing a community call out of that because it got me to go and check them out. So, you know, I wanted to thank you guys for it and to let you guys know that I've learned a lot in every episode that you guys have done. And I'm not even saying it to, you know, blow smoke up your ass because you're my guest. I'm just saying it because I learned, I learned the right way and the wrong, you know, and what I was doing wrong. And let, don't, let me not even put it out there like I'm doing major strides, but at least I'm correcting a lot of things and approaching community a little different. There are some hiccups and growing pains that we are experiencing just as a as a brand itself, but I think that what you guys are doing is, a, is an incredible service, and it gives uh, communities insight into how they really should be doing things. Because I see a lot of stuff, and that's one thing that I've said on – on previous shows, I don't like listening to other podcasts because I don't want to get um, any sort of inadvertent, you know, like sometimes you absorb an idea, not intentionally. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. And with you guys, it, it's such a, a far departure from anything else <laughs> out there that I don't have to ever concern myself by saying, yeah, I'm going to talk about community management this week because that's not happening. Um, <laughs> the 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 15 minute uh, time limit is great. I'll, you know that I do a three-hour show. I do, and um, so it's it's a gift. It's a gift and a curse. But I also reach out to four dim- different demographics about four different topics, and they end they end up converging in in various ways. You know, from from the mixed martial arts side, you have mixed martial artists that are gamers that that like movies, uh, wrestlers that like mixed martial arts, wrestling fans that like video games. So I like being that that middle ground for all those audiences that that's kind of where I feel about it. But the one thing I had wanted to ask you guys in focusing so much on community, do you feel that just the community medium as a whole is evolving at the correct pace or is there, are there still some people out there that are a little antiquated with their, with the way they handle their communities? Well, John, <laughs> I was like, dang, Justin, go first. Um, that's a interesting question. I think that the way that community management has grown and changed is really about how the social networking space has grown and changed. 
community management, you know, back in Justin's day, used to really just be about forums, right? right? And, you know, something on a website somewhere where you can just talk to somebody and hopefully talk to somebody or send an email in and maybe you get a response back. Whereas it has changed so much with the Facebooks and the Twitters and, you know, the clouts of the world and all that kind of thing. Um, it makes it both easier to engage with your audience uh, as well as harder to engage with your audience because now your audience is so spread. Yes. So how you communicate with your audience on your official site is going to be different than how you communicate with your audience on Facebook, which could be different or may be similar to how you communicate with your audience on Twitter. So that is a huge, huge factor, and anyone who is not keeping up with those mediums is going to get left behind. I, I agree 100%. There is... There are there are issues at least with us with that because the the Facebook community and I'm sure you guys have seen this it's almost like Facebook is the security blanket of every community because it's so much easier and so much more accessible versus the say say Twitter where that 140 character limit and the constant stream of news in some cases drives people away. I think that you know I interact with our Facebook fans and there, there, there's a good number of them, and sometimes I'll go in there and I'll be like, hey, you know, there's X number of you. Why aren't you guys in the forums? Or follow us on Twitter, right. and I don't get – I don't hear a response whatsoever. And it's interesting to see how how diverse each aspect of that audience is. Well, and it makes it harder because there's so much noise and so much competition that – especially in Facebook. My Facebook – is incredible because I like so many different things that I'm just getting so much stuff that, you know, I will completely miss something if I'm not che actively checking it on a regular basis. And the same applies for Twitter. There's, there's so much. I don't understand how people can have, you know, over a thousand people that they follow and stuff like that because how do you keep up? How do you engage? I just can't do it, you know? That's why I'm, I'm really, you know, stringent on trying to keep to 500 because to me, 500 is somewhat more manageable. These are relationships, and to me, that's what it has to be about. It's about engagement. It's about relationships and building those relationships with people, you know? And obviously, there's things of, of businesses or corporations or whatever that I follow of my own personal interest, but everything else has to be about that person, and I want that one-to-one -one experience for as long as I can continue to have that. That makes That makes perfect sense. I ended up... Having I set up two Twitter accounts, one for the show and then one for my for my personal, and I just keep all the stuff I follow personally on that account, and you know things like Hootsuite, things like um, things like Hootsuite and what the hell is the other one? TweetDeck have been uh, very very helpful with that. Yeah, I, I, I live and die by TweetDeck. I mean, I'm I've gone in five five Twitter accounts. And my tweet deck is, I think on my phone it's eight columns, and on my desktop it's ten. Wow. And, I mean, I couldn't, like, it's kind of absurd, the volume of information that I'm parsing at any given moment. But, I mean, you know, to, to your point that you made earlier about, you know, you have people on their Facebook account or whatever, and you're like, hey, why aren't you on the forums? It, it's, it's just different audiences, and they want different things, and, and it's something I've, really kind of had to learn, like John said. I mean, when I was doing community management outside the games industry, it was purely forums-based, really, and MySpace, ironically. Um, and then Facebook kind of took off, and 
Twitter took off more for me. And I was mostly a Twitter guy until I got to Robot. And at Robot, our community has responded huge on Facebook. And our forums, we have, you know, several thousand people signed up, but in terms of people that talk and interact regularly, it's a really low number. Like, literally, I could probably count it on two hands in terms of the number of people that will post a message every day. Um, but on Facebook, our interaction numbers are huge. Our our sign, like, our number of likes on Facebook are not as many as sign-ups on the website, but the actual active audience is way higher, like exponentially higher. Most of our audience on Facebook interacts in some way. They share, they, they like something, they comment. Um, and so, and, and to me that was a strange thing because Twitter has been really slow for us on the robot stuff too, and I'm used to the other way around. I'm used to Twitter being the bigger success than Facebook, and the audience just has responded well. And, you know, the video game stuff we're doing, we're a very art-heavy game and an art-heavy studio, and we use Facebook to post a lot of art. And Facebook is a really good medium for visual things. And so in our case, I think that's one of the things that's fed into our audience over there being so active is getting pictures in people's news feeds. And then just the, the sheer growth of Facebook itself. I mean, there's 800 million people now. And frankly, you know, people want to be where their friends are. And if you can put the brand near that group of people, then one guy is going to share with his friends and share with their friends. And, you know, it's easier to interact with something briefly in between interactions with my friends than it is to have to go somewhere to some branded destination by itself. And I think that's just how people are consuming things anymore, and we're going to see more and more of that. And, you know, I mean, I've been with the new Facebook, I've been screaming for, like, please give us the, the cover image and some of these timeline updates on the brand pages before they feel old and busted. So, I mean, you know, the brand pages, I think, really need that presence to feel like they're part of the, the fabric. And if they don't get them, they could actually, I think, suffer. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see where it goes. Well, it's yeah. funny. It's funny because they actually, I, I went on the fan page for the show today, and they said they were doing away with discussions. And they said, we want you to use yeah. your walls to do all your communications. And I'm like, you know what? That's great. But... There's certain there's certain things that need to be improved on brand pages themselves before you decide. Yeah, we're just going to remove this. So from from. Well, I actually I never like this. I've never put a discussion tab on uh, any of my pages long term because I, I I think it does compete with the wall. I think if you're I mean your conversations. I agree with them actually that your conversations should be happening on the wall. If you have to go some up to another tab or another section to have a conversation, I think you that. You're, nobody, nobody wants. You're, you're gonna lose that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't think you're taking advantage of Facebook's best features if you do that. And I think that's you know if you're not if this other little thing takes you away from their best features and the ones they have the most of, then there's a problem there. And and the, the fact that they made that decision to pull discussions suggests to me that um, they're probably going to add a lot or something similar to the timeline functionality to brand pages but we'll see and how long i don't know well one here's here's a, a question i'm sure both of you are going to probably if you answer but if you both answer the same i'd be shocked how do you guys feel now with the with the presence of google plus and how that goes into community management and into the the gaming space do you feel that that can be a better tool than say facebook only because you're able to selectively feed certain aspects of your audience or is that something where you'd prefer to wait until you start seeing branded profiles to 
make an assessment? For me, without branded profiles, it's pointless. I mean, I, I, I have plenty of followers on Twitter and Facebook in terms of, like, who I need to get my message to. So if I'm just pushing, pushing my message from, like, my personal me, my, my 6OK name, my, my personal brand, then I'm already hitting, you know, thousands of people more than I am on Google+. And everybody who's ever friended me or put me in a circle on Google+, is already following me on Twitter or friends with me on Facebook. So I'm not getting anybody new from that in terms of, I mean, I can't represent my brands over there. They won't let you. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it, to me, I've had a hard, hard time adopting Google Plus because I just don't have a need for it. You know, I just don't need okay. it. That's that's an interesting. And you're going to be shocked if he and I agreed, or completely shocked if we disagreed. I actually was going to. I'd actually be shocked if you both agreed, only because. When it comes to certain aspects of community management and listening to the shows, your your opinions on certain things aren't completely <laughs> in agreement, which which I like. You know, it's almost like good cop, bad cop, and um, yeah, you no, know, we, yeah, we do that a lot, and you're not the first to say that. But um, I mean, it's, it's a lot like the guy who's right and weasel. <laughs> oh, here we go. I knew that was coming. Um, I was waiting. Yeah. <laughs> um, Interestingly enough, though, I do I do agree with Justin in this one case. Um, <laughs> you know, John John Stewart is still the best Green Lantern, but in this particular case, I will agree with him. Um, I, I I don't really see a purpose yet of for Google Plus. I think it's nice. I think some of the features that they have are interesting, but there's there's going to come a point if we haven't got to it yet that the social media is is going to stop. It's going to hit an oversaturation. People yes. are already hey, enough. Enough's enough. I I don't need this too. I have my Facebook. I have my Twitter. I have my I don't know what Mebo and whatever else. I didn't stop. Leave me alone. I'm done. You know. And I I think that it would have been a very different conversation to have. Um, and I may have a very different perspective had Google come on the market with this two, three, four years ago. Um, but it feels a little late, and I think that they have a lot of catching up to do. And I, I keep seeing the numbers of how many people are, how many people signed up for Google Plus and all that kind of stuff. But if you if it's something you automatically get when you get when you register or something like that, so what? You know, it's the same for me. It's the same argument about the, the smartphones, where George is always talking about how many smartphones they sold over iPhone. Well, that's easy to do when you have every phone company. And every manufacturer making five Droid phones versus Apple, who makes one. And, and also, they did it right. And also, Droid gives them away. Like you know, you can still get a free phone, you know, a free phone that runs Android if you sign up for a carrier. So I can understand that. I personally, I've 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 been using Google Plus, and I do understand, and I do agree to a point about oversaturation because it's like I have to upload it. Like, let's put it like this: show starts in half an hour. I posted it on Twitter, I posted it on Facebook, I posted it on Google+. It's like I write a post on the site. The, the only good thing is, since I use WordPress, there's little plugins that help, but you know, you have to make sure that post makes it to Facebook, Twitter, StumbleUpon, oh. Dig, <laughs> Reddit, Google+. So I got an email, <laughs> I got an email about two, three days ago from a new, you know, all these new little social media influenced little tools and websites pop up lately. And this site 
it blew me away. I mean, we just had this conversation here on the show about different audiences. You know, Facebook and Twitter are different audiences. They want different things from you. Um, but this, this service was essentially, it, people could sign up for it like a newsletter, and it would pull stuff from your Twitter, your Facebook, your Google+, your official website, all of your social media outlets, laundry list of them. And it would pull stuff off of all of them, and it would put together a little digital newsletter and send it all in one update to your, your people. And it just occurred to me that, like, if, if we're at the point now where we have to consolidate it all back into one thing to send to the person anyway, then why aren't we just sending them one thing to begin with? True. You know? And that's when I really was like, okay, we're, we're well past oversaturated. Now that we have to build tools to bring it all back to where it was anyway 10 years ago, we've, we've done something wrong. <laughs> we built a hundred little outlets and then we built a tool to bring all those hundred little outlets back to one outlet, which is where we started, you know? So I think, you know, I mean, for me, 90% of my attention goes to Facebook and Twitter and I don't bother with anything else. Um, and form spring. So, I don't know. I don't touch it. John does it. Ah, okay. Once in a blue moon, I go into form spring and I answer questions. But, um, I was a social network, I still am actually, a huge social network junkie, and I'm always looking into the new and the shiny and stuff like that. I'm always curious because I, I find that fascinating and I find that space fascinating, and I'm always looking at stuff to see, well, what's really going to take off, what's really going to just bomb, and what is this for? Is this something I would love to be interested in, or is this something I want to be part of, or, you know, is this just one of the, you know, another phase that's just going to go away in a few minutes, like... About me. Like, I never did an about me page because I was like, yeah, you kind of know who I am already. I don't really need a page to tell you what you already know. That was my next and where question. To find me. That was my next question. Yeah, you know, but, but FormSpring to me was interesting in the sense that it just gave an opportunity to just randomly throw out questions and get questions. And I want it to be something fun and I want something engaging. So I like to do it. So it's stuff that I think about or it's something that I, you know, get asked by somebody or something. And I throw it out there to the, the to the web and see what happens. And I've had some very colorful responses for some questions, but uh, you know, but I like it. And it and it's sort of again things that this uh, fosters and promotes engagement, and that's what I'm looking for. I, as a as a community manager, I guess I could fall into that category because I guess managing the show is managing a community. <laughs> um, sure. I've re I've I've realized that, and and you guys are probably gonna correct me on this i feel and and i use what you what you do john as a great example i i go and i try to get the show in as many places as possible you know you can get the show on on blog talk radio you can get the show on itunes you can get the show on stitcher you can get you know i'm simulcasting with this new thing which is mixler you can get it through blackberry podcast zoom etc 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 only because in something you guys talked about in your earlier episodes you you want to kind of get your brand out there and where this question is going is at which point do you do you feel you should just stop going out there so hard with your brand and letting your brand sell itself I don't you first think you, I don't think you can really because I've seen people I mean, that, you, go ahead you are your brand though right I mean you, you, I mean, my take radio is you, and 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 you are kind of always you. 
<laughs> you know? Right. I, I don't know. Uh, John. Anyway, I think, I think that if you, here's, here's how I look at it. You always have to manage your brand. Because if you don't manage your brand, someone else is going to manage it for you, and then you run the risk of them mismanaging it for you. That's good. So that's you true. always have to manage your brand. Uh, and you always have to have some degree of control around it. And it's cool to let people play with your brand. It's cool to let people uh, express themselves with your brand, but never lose control of your brand, period. And I don't think you can legitimately ever get it to a point where it just, you know, takes care of itself or sells itself. Because honestly, there is someone who's going to be out there doing something similar to what you do or doing the exact same thing that you do that is going to end up trying to do it better because you didn't control it. Makes makes sense to me. I only I only ask that because. Go ahead. Can you see why I work with him? <laughs> well, what I was, what I was the the reason I asked that is just because sometimes you you sit there in between all the mediums that we broadcast, all the mediums socially that you try to get out there. You know, you try to get in about me just because you know my take radio is you know my brand, but there's still me behind it. So I guess I, I try to sometimes separate the two instead of just making it united, only because I'm always concerned about, I, I guess not the image that the that the brand projects, but just because how it relates to you personally. Like, and put it like this: like you guys are, you know, you're going to be Justin and John, but you're also six OK and Weasel. You're also 15 minutes of game, and there's a point where your 15 minutes of game work is separate from your personal life. Like I, I like when John talks about his, his kids as the, as the franchise. I I love that because that's a, a nice way of just separating that real world. I'm just always worried about the fact that you're, that so much work is going into your brand that you kind of just become meshed in with it. That's why I asked if there's a point where you can kind of stop and let it be self-sustaining. I think that if you're, if you're meshed in with your brand, to me, that's success. Mm, okay. Yeah, I mean, ask me again in five years. But to me, I feel like that's, I did what I, I set out to do. I, I, I got in your head. I, I got that kind of recognition, and I developed that kind of following. And if I, as long as I am properly representing that and not uh, looking like an idiot or a fool or whatever, that I... And I did what I set out to do. Hey, and I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, the brand of me, you know, I don't know. I, I yeah, I don't, I mean, 6 okay is is my brand. I mean, honestly, like, I go to shows and no one has the slightest clue who Justin Korthoff is. No one. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm 6 okay. And they're like, oh, you're 6 okay? I follow you on Twitter. And I'm like, yeah. Jesus. Okay. Um, <laughs> And then, literally, that conversation happens to me at every convention I go to many, many times. No one knows who I am, but they know who 6OK is. And that's just because I use 6OK for everything, you know? And it's just been a consistency issue. And, <laughs> you know, I guess that's a win. Like John said, that's a su- success. But, you know, when I go home, my kids don't know me to 6OK. So I, there is a separation there. Um, but basically, anytime I'm doing anything in public, if I'm on the Internet, I'm 6OK. I mean, that's it's... You know, you, I have to be branded at all times. It's just, you can't, I don't think there's a way to separate it. I don't think, especially in like your online presence. You know, when I go down to Home Depot, the guy there selling me 
copper pipes doesn't care that I'm six okay. But anything I'm doing online, I'm six okay. I can't imagine having a Justin Kortoff profile somewhere that isn't about me being six okay. It's just because that's kind of that is my online brand. I mean, that's that's how I present myself publicly to people. Um, people who care about me presenting myself publicly, anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure you ever can stop really branding it or selling the brand or, or defining what the brand is. You know, I mean, it's because I and I, I am a little bit different. Like if you meet me in person, I'm not quite six okay on Twitter. It's 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 a slightly different person. Uh, um, I see. Yeah, you see what I, that that's where that's what I was getting at. Like like where did where does it's not intentional. I don't I don't. I don't think that I, like, 6OK is probably a little more family-friendly than me because I curse a lot more in person than I do on Twitter or anything like that. Oh, yeah, you're super clean um, on your show. I love that. Within reason. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, anyway, but, you know, 6OK in person is a little more, or Justin, rather, in person is a little more laid back than 6OK, but that's kind of the only difference. Like, it's, it's, it's me. I mean, I care about superheroes. I care about video games. I care about movies. I think, in, in some ways, and I don't, I'm hoping this isn't completely contradictory, but to what I said earlier, I think in some respects it is about who you are and where you are. Like, there is definitely, I guess, or I've been told, that there is a difference between Weasel and John. And I've, I've heard that before, and I've, I'm amused by it, um, and, I, and I've kind of started playing into it a little bit in some respects, because there is a certain kind of character or caricature that kind of goes into an online personality. And everybody has this in some respect. How you are online, uh, a lot of times, is not who you, how you are in person. Um, and, and you learn to find that balance between, you know, that, that identity and your other identity. But it's still who you are. It's just another aspect of that personality. You know, it's like, well, whether you're feeling you know, sporty and you want to go out and play some basketball or you're feeling, you know, sporty. Um, yeah, I did say sporty. <laughs> you're feeling athletic and you want to go do something athletic, right? Or if you want to do something that stimulates your brain, so you read or you paint or, you know, do something creative and that kind of thing. It's still, it's still you. It's just a different aspect of who you are, you know? And weasel for me is an aspect of who I am. And, and in some respects, it's a little bit over the top. It's a little bit of just say whatever comes to mind. And, and that kind of thing. And while I still have that aspect of me as quote unquote John, it may be a little bit more toned down or actually maybe more of the opposite where I really don't have much of a filter and I just say completely whatever I feel like saying at the time. But it's it's still one person. It almost feels like you're like you're using what you had talked about about being uh, always wanting a twin. Weasel is your twin. You're you're, you're <laughs> you know that <laughs> I do my homework. I do my homework. But, um, <laughs> um yeah, you know, in, in, in some respects, probably, um, you know, and, or, or in, in some respects, it's also, you know, things that I've, people that I've come to admire and emulate. Like a lot of, a lot of who I am comes from my, my, uh, it's not technically my brother, but my, I call him my brother. Um, and his personality and who he is. And because he's a performer by trade, I've watched him grow and develop those personas and those faces and masks of, I'm going to be this way tonight, or I have to put on this character tonight. And, and I've seen that, and I've watched it, and I'm like, you know what, that kind of fits 
you know, and it fits for him, and I see how he's done it. And it's like, okay, cool. I can I can do that. And, you know, and for me, it's like, because I was always naturally shy, if I have to go to an event or a networking event, I have to get into that character of like, okay, I need to be the public face. I need to be, you know, charming. I need to smile. I need to be happy. I make sure everyone's having a good time because this is what I brought them out here for or whatever, and I have to be the host. You know, and then when I'm done, I go back home and I crash. Or I'm just like, oh, my God, it's, it's exhausting. It's, it's, it's tiring. It's, and you, you're spent. I can relate. You're putting, so much other, you're putting so much energy into being this type of person so that everyone else can have a good time that it does separate you from who you can be, you know, in another aspect of yourself. That's something that I don't think people recognize enough of about the, the kind of community management gig. Mm-hmm. It's like... We get to fly all over the world. We get to go to these amazing trade shows and things like that. And that, uh, look, I'm not complaining. That's amazing. You know, I've, the video game industry has afforded me the chance to see the world. I'm extremely thankful for that. But when you have to go to these events and you're on for, you know, 16 hours a day, four or five days straight, it kicks your ass. That's right. And like, it, it's fun and everybody looks and goes, oh my God, you have the best job in the world. That's so much fun. But by the time you're done, like, almost every show I go to, I come home and I get horribly ill because my body is just so run down. And you get home and you're just like, ugh. And, you, and I'm sick for two, three days because my body has just given up on me. And, I mean, that happens. There's, there's, I, after these shows, I always have to take the following weekend. I take, like, a four-day weekend now just because I'm like, I got to chill. I got to decompress. And, and it, it, you know, like he said, like we all said, you're, you're on. You're on and you're putting a... a face out there and that's the thing you are there 16 hours but everybody gets six minutes with you Mm -hmm. for that six minutes you have to be the approachable likable person that you are on twitter or on facebook or whatever so you've got to be that over and over and over again 16 hours a day and it is it can be taxing it's it's fun like i said but it can be taxing i did um i did comic-con last year new york comic-con with uh with uh my fiance and and Slick, who you spoke to, who handles our, our, our back-end duties and writes for us. And we did that as 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 a, as press. And by the time, the, the Comic-Con at that point was only three days. And by the time Sunday came around, I just said, I can't do it. I can't. Yeah. I can't do it. I, yeah. I woke up. I said, to, I said to my fiance, I was like, look, I can't. You know, my feet hurt. And I just can't be that I don't even want to say me because, it, it, you know, you walk up to most people and I, I felt at the point we haven't gotten to where you can walk up and go, oh, yeah, you're rich for my take radio. But just to the point where you're walking the show floor and, you know, you're you're shaking hands and you're like, hey, you know, check us out. Here's our card. And, you know, th- this year I feel that's going to be exponentially even tougher because now it's four days now we're uh, we've been around yeah. longer and you know we got to put press kits together t-shirts cards you know we got to get video audio and by the time it's all said well, and done, i think i'm going to need an extra an extra day just to like like you were saying uh-huh. to decompress when you talk about the physical toll like i said you get sick after all these events and then you talk about your feet hurting when i did gamescom in uh germany last year in cologne that convention center was so big, and I had to walk across it every morning for five days or so. 
that literally at the end of Gamescom, I was walking across the airport in Frankfurt to my plane. My feet were split open, and I was bleeding in my socks. Oh, my like, God. These events, it's, it's, it's insane, these events. And, you know, like I said, they're a lot of fun, but, man, they kick your butt. Yeah, they're tough. Oh, I got. I learned. I learned a lot about it. I. I. You, I wanted to. To tell you guys this because I'm in a very unique place. I was. I attended um, Capcom Fight Club here in New York, and um, I've done a couple of gaming things, and I've realized that our brand is almost like the redheaded stepchild of the gaming community, <laughs> and I. And I say that. And I say that only because. Everybody that hears about us or knows about us is like, oh, yeah, you guys are the wrestling show or you guys are the MMA show. And it's like, uh, no, no, we're not just that. And, you know, you, you I get I get frustrated, I guess, because it's it's like you're trying to. And I'll be honest, I, I, I don't I don't call myself a journalist. I never have because I don't break. I don't sit here and try to break news. I try to give people. My, you know, my take, no pun intended, on 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 what's going on. That that's all it is. I I feel like I am. I I'd like to say not the Howard Stern of the gaming universe, but but in that realm. I don't want to be. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the journalist guy because what something you guys talked about in other in one of your previous episodes is about. You know, you don't want to be the the scooped guy. You don't want to get scooped, and that's not me. I think I think my persona, if I got scooped, would probably involve me finding a person that scooped me and beating them to death. So that wouldn't, <laughs> that wouldn't work. Uh, you just you can't be the scoop guy anymore, right? I mean, it, the, the, our industry has grown so big, you just can't. Nope. It's not realistic, you know. Nope. I I, I don't right. even try to be the first guy. I I went into N4G because I'm starting to learn about N4G, and I put something in there, and. It was it was something totally mundane about like new costumes from Marvel versus Capcom three and this guy somebody rated it and the person goes this these news are old so I read it you know I read the person's comment I'm like you motherfucker who the fuck are you and I'm yelling at my screen for like five minutes like you son of a bitch just because I do, I don't understand that aspect of it because I'm like I'm not trying to to break the news I just want to share it. That's it. Maybe maybe right. it's gotten out there. Maybe it hasn't. Maybe a new set of eyes might look at it differently because I wrote about it in a, in a humorous manner, or I said, you know, hey, you know, GameStop sucks. <laughs> but whatever the case may be, I um I was just shocked at that side of the community. And I've talked to a couple of other uh, community managers when it comes to us, and they're just like, I don't know, man. You guys fall into such a weird gray area. I think that's why I like what you guys do because you fall into that similar gray area. You're not trying to, you know, give people a handbook on what to do. You're just trying to build your brand based on your experiences, which I, which I can relate to. I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm monopolizing the conversation here. Hello, John, did you want to say anything? <laughs> no, no, no. I talk. I, I, I'm given the opportunity. I talk relentlessly. Oh, I know. Yeah. Like <laughs> They call me a 15 minutes of Simmons Nomer. I get like five, Justin gets ten. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, but it's okay, because I actually like. I can listen to Justin talk all day. So could I. There we go. Uh, well, I, well, you are in a weird spot. I mean, we've talked on our show about being a niche, you know, and how much more power and how much more um, 
sort of attention you can get if you if you focus on one niche thing and and you're doing a more difficult thing. You're not focusing on one niche. You've got wrestling. You've got video games. You've got uh, MMA. So you're hitting a lot of different places, and it and it it makes more work for you at the end of the day. Is all it does really. Mm-hmm. If you want to, yeah. you know, if you want to be the guy kind of on the forefront of things, it makes more work for you. But if you're willing to do that work, then hey, more power to you. But it does make it harder and. It sounds like you, you've seen that. And what I find interesting is, you know, if, if everybody thinks you're the wrestling and MMA guy, maybe lean into that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean what, I was, that's what they see it and see what you can get out of it. I, I was sitting there listening to this a bit, and I actually made a note to myself as a future show topic for, for Justin and I to kind of talk about that other side, because we have talked about, you know, finding your niche and working with it, but we haven't really talked about, you know, the sites who do cover a multitude of things. You know, and I'll I'll come out and say this now. We need to give you a community call out coming up. You know, specifically because it's like some of the things that you're covering are different, and it is not. You know, in our experience, kind of the norm. We 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 come across a lot of sites that are just focused on gaming or may cover gaming, but then something else, right? But you're covering some. What you're covering is a, is a nice gamut of things, and it's stuff that uh, is not completely all that out there. And if it is, I'm not necessarily seeing it. So I mean, with the wrestling and the wrestling sites just cover wrestling, you know, but, you know, the MMA sites just cover MMA. But for you to be doing that as well as gaming and entertainment and all that stuff is a very interesting uh, uh, gamut for coverage, you know, and I have to give respect for that because that is a lot and it is very diverse, you know. Um, And I was even listening to the show that you had the doctor on recently uh, and I'm just like, wow, that's a very interesting kind of approach for this. This is really kind of, it's cool. Uh, and I liked how you even looked at some of the, the physical physicality of what these guys are doing as wrestlers and as fighters and how that impacts their body going, you know, going on this and years and stuff like that. And I just, I was just taken back by it. And I, I was really impressed. Uh, and as Justin knows, I don't really get impressed much. But no. you know, <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool. Well, thank you. I, I um, appreciate it. I think, I, I think the best part of, of what I do is, all of all the stuff we cover is based on in my, my interests you know like i like i like mixed martial arts i you know i was a martial artist growing up i love professional wrestling since i was a kid i've always been a gamer i love comics i'm i'm a ga- i'm a i'm a gadget junkie um and every and everybody that falls in line with us you know slick my fiance my fiance handles a lot of the tv stuff she does all the comic stuff uh slick started watching mma just to to learn about it and you know he's become a fan he has his own favorite fighters so it's i i feel good bringing sharing my interest but also bringing people in especially when i go into like the comic stuff because you know when you guys talk about comic books i'm like holy cow it's another it's it's another person that likes the same shit i do so it was it was it was eye-opening especially because i've been reading comics for so long and there's the the medium has been evolving and the comic book even the comic book events themselves and i know you guys can can uh, attest to this san diego comic-con went from being san diego comic-con to san diego movie premiere plus comic-con plus san diego mm-hmm. game unveiling plus comic-con totally i hit the floor this year at comic-con briefly and i was blown away that like most of the floor was not comic books. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like it was video games and movies and other stuff. And I was just like, what is, wow. I mean, it's a cool show. It's a pop culture show though. Now it's really, 
I don't know. It's, it, it, it almost feels like a misnomer to call it Comic-Con anymore. It's, it's like PopCon or something. Yeah, it's it really has to be an amazing a show. It's TV and movies and video games and comics and all this stuff in one place, and it's really fun. But, wow, it's different than it used to be. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, I did. We, we had a smaller con here, which was the Big Apple Comic-Con, and we did that. And that was more uh, a trip uh, a trip down memory lane, just all comic book boxes and you know you had your artist yeah, that's signing like, uh, i love that that's uh wondercon in san francisco where weasel's at wondercon is like that you go into wondercon it's just card tables covered with long boxes full of comics how do you how do you approach yeah, pretty much. How, how do you approach that as as comic fans but also as as community managers when you have to do these events because I'm sure you're there promoting your products and then, you know, the comic geek in you is like, oh, man, I want to go and see, you know, they got this book and this statue and let me go and try and get this artist. How do you how do you balance that out when you're doing that th- that type of work? I know, especially when you're promoting the bigger titles, I know even in, in your case, Justin, you were out there, you know, getting ready to promote Orcs Must Die. How did How did that feel and how did you... How did you juggle that? Did you give yourself a day to say, all right, today I'm just going to wander the show floor aimlessly and look well, at the shit I like? We we lucked out. I mean, we were at Comic-Con. Microsoft is our publisher on the Xbox side of Force of Must Die. And so we lucked out in that they were showing us at Comic-Con, so we didn't have our own space. But their, their whole area for Xbox games was only open on the weekend, which meant we were there Friday and we didn't have to work. So we actually got to get onto the floor that way. Under normal circumstances, though, there is no balancing it. When I go to, like, a PAX or something, you know, it's always amazing games or E3 or whatever, and everybody's like, hey, what'd you play that you liked? And I'm like, didn't play anything. I was at our booth the entire time. Like, I went to, it was at E3, I guess it was. I, I played about 90 seconds of Battlefield 3 and nothing else at E3. Like, because you're working, like, you don't get to, at least work it out, you know, you don't get to go look at other stuff, you don't get to go play whatever game you want to play, you're not there as an attendee, you're there working, you know, you're in the booth the whole time. That was, that was one of the things we, we, we experienced last year, it was like, alright, today's the press day, and we ran around, ran around, ran around, um, by, by Saturday, you know, I have, uh, my ankle got swollen, so I'm hobbling on the show floor, and I said to myself, damn it, I've done enough work. I want to meet Todd, Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane is one of my favorite artists. Yeah. And I said to myself, I don't give a shit if I got to get stretchered out of here. And I, I hobbled over and, you know, I, I saw the press rep from the day before and I was like, hey, I, you know, I'm here to meet Todd. And she's like, all right, just get on the line. You'll get right in. And I took a picture with him. And it was funny because Slick went on the Facebook and he just puts – any pain he had at that moment was gone, and it, and, it, and it was just because it's like holy shit, I'm meeting a, a guy you know that I've bought most almost all the Spawn books up to like fifty, and I've always been a fan of his work and all the Spawn toys, and I'm shaking this guy's hand, I'm giving him my card, and I'm telling him you know I love the work that you do. So I wanted to ask you guys about that because I know that has to be a trip, especially if if you're a fan of certain artists or certain books and that person's there and you're like, oh, man, I'd kill to go get that autograph or get that book or get that photo. And I can't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I'll even say back when I was running community sites, I was running BlueTides.net, which is my Superman site. And once I was running BlueTides, when I would go to Comic-Con, because I used to go to Comic-Con in San Diego every year. 
I lived in California, and um, soon I started running blue tights, though, and I was going to Comic-Con with a media badge, it changed entirely because I got to go to all these panels I wanted to go see still, but I didn't get to, like, enjoy, enjoy it, be a spectator and soak it in. I'm writing it up so that I can post the blog as soon as the panel's over, you know? And it just, I don't know. It's when you're on that side of it, when you're working, whether you're industry side or you're working for a media side, it, it changes it drastically. I mean, you don't, you don't get to have fun there anymore, really. It's hard. Uh, I was thinking something similar to that. It's what makes it this industry tough, and this is a fun industry, it's a great industry, but one of the things that can be a challenge in this industry is that you become desensitized to things. Um, like your, your story about Todd McFarlane is a great story. I cannot recall the last time something like that happened to me. Oh, yeah, man. I don't recall the last time I was starstruck by anything. You know, and I've been in situations where I see this person or that person, and I just look at them and go, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, wow. Are they, they going to block me going to the bar? Or like, what? You know, that kind of thing. It just, you lose some of that, and you lose some of that fire uh, and some of that enthusiasm. And don't get me wrong, I still love looking at new games, I still love looking at products and stuff like that, and there's still like, that excitement that goes on, but some of that other stuff that goes along with that is... You can you can you can lose that if you're not if you're not careful. I remember a situation once. This is back uh, a number of years for Need for Speed. Um, the the actress for the game at the time was Emmanuel Vosche. Uh, I think it was Emmanuel Vosche. Um, and we had to do an interview with her because what we were going to do was we were going to have her a surprise guest for our event. Um, but we ended up having a situation where we had to move the event, but we still booked her time. Um, so we had to keep her on schedule, we couldn't move, she couldn't move or whatever, and so what we ended up doing was just going up to interview her, um, and and we just had that footage, and we were just going to put it out and stuff like that. Um, I didn't want to do the interview myself, uh, just because I just had no real interest in, in doing it, and so I convinced the, the product marketing guy to, to do it, and I gave him all the questions, and I basically stood behind the camera guy and directed and I, and I sent him, you know, told him where I wanted to do it, how I wanted to set up, all this kind of stuff, and worked with the backdrop and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're done. She was a nice woman, really cool, really personal, really friendly. But it was just like, I'm, this is a job, you know. There's there's nothing about this that's really kind of special about that. It's just a job, you know. And I've, I've conducted interviews with Heidi Klum. I've, I've sat with, with Maya. I've sat with John Cleese. I mean, I've done a lot of cool things that everybody's like, oh my God, and I'm like, but it was a job, you know, <laughs> oh, wow. I think about it and get starstruck about it because I knew what I had to go in and do and then come out with it, you know, and, and that's just how it, it gets kind of gets treated after a while, but you don't even think about it, and I've talked to other people who've had situations like that, who, especially for PR people, where it's like, oh yeah, we had to work with so-and-so, and man, was that a headache because of this, that, and the other, and <laughs> there's, there is none of that, that ooh and ah about it anymore. Damn. Well, it, I, it can be sad. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a downer. We're really so exciting. Yeah, I would hope that you would never lose that fire, but just it's just something that you keep in mind. It's like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, we're gonna go here and we'll see this and and that be that. And when it comes to cons, uh, I don't want to take anything back. <laughs> that's my thing. I try, I want to travel light. I don't want to bring anything back. So I'll take a yeah. business card. And, and hope that I can get them online or something like that because I do not want to put that in a plane. Oh man, that's, that's actually crazy. funny. When, that's when, crazy. When uh, we we went to PAX and and someone from another booth, we were selling some Orcs Must Die shirts, and someone from another booth 
came over before the show one morning and they were like, hey, do you want to do a t-shirt trade? And I literally, because I'm like John, I don't want to carry things home now. And I have so many gaming t-shirts in my closet that I just don't wear. And so she's like, hey, do you want to do a, a, tra- a t-shirt swap? And my first, out of my mouth, first thing I says, uh, well, I don't know, what's on it? <laughs> and it was like, that was really rude because she's offering to give me this free shirt. But I literally was like, Wow, God, do I care enough? Like, oh shit, you know, because like, and you know, I ended up taking a shirt. It was a good shirt, but it was just a situation where it's like, oh God, I'm gonna have to put this in my suitcase. Do I really want to deal with this? How badly do I want to deal with this? And to get to that point where you're like, I don't want to take anything home. That's crazy. Yeah, you want to travel light. You want to be in and out. You know. I um, it, it was, and the reason I I, I brought Comic Con in and I wanted to segue into that is because I had some comic stuff i wanted to talk to you guys about and um one thing in particular is superman uh you guys are very passionate <laughs> about it you guys are oh not you, at all oh yeah, oh yeah not 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 at all no not in the least but i i wanted to ask and and i'll and i'll ask um justin first what draws you to superman being one of your favorite characters what's that what's that connection and the reason I asked well, was because I have I have favorite characters too, and I'll go into it. But what what made that particular character jump out at you? Was it you know something from your childhood? Was it just reading the books? Well, if, if your favorite characters are not Superman, then you're wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you'll notice I have no problem telling people they're wrong. Um, Superman for me is a few things. One, I'm obsessed with anything that flies: planes, birds, dragonflies, whatever. Superman's got the whole flight thing going on, and he's got the red cape, which makes it more dramatic and whatnot. But so that's the simple physical thing. I like the flying aspect of Superman. I like the freedom that it represents. Two, I'm a big, big fan of the fact that he's aspirational. Superman is what we can be. Superman is what we want to be. Superman is good to people. He encourages other people to be good to each other. He just tries to help. There's not. I. I don't. As an adult, I don't care about Batman angst. I don't care how pissed off he is. I don't give a crap. He's moody, he's whiny, and he's all about revenge, which just pisses me off. That's not a good message, in my opinion, for a hero. For me, I like Superman because he's purely, straight up, no ulterior motives, doing the right thing. That's a big, big deal to me. And the third thing is that I'm a big, big fan of legacies. I like... In any story, I really like the mythological nature of the father-son relationship. It's a relationship that's been told in, you know, a billion stories since the beginning of time. And, and even really, you know, it's been expanded now to, to relationships with moms and stuff too. But the father-son relationship and the idea of legacies and handing down what you are to your children is really important to me, especially more so now that I've actually become a father. And that father-son relationship and that legacy idea is has always been a big part of Superman's mythos. The relationship to the absent father, um, you know, Jor-El, and Jor-El making that sacrifice to send his son out into the unknown of space to try to save him. These are all really important things to me in the Superman mythos, and that's what I like. That's why I like films like Zod, because they're tied to that, that legacy idea. And one of the things I liked about Superman Returns. I liked that they gave Superman a son and they tried it because they kept the legacy going and they were going to explore it in different ways. Now, I noticed most everyone else hated it, but 
that to me is kind of the big three draws for Superman. One, I'm a big fan of flying. Two, I like that he's aspirational. And three, I like the legacy aspect of it all. All right. If it works for me. What about you, John? Um, basically, it's, it's something that you kind of touched on that I, I'll just piggyback. It's, it's aspirational for me. I, uh, I actually did not used to be a Superman fan. I've, I've been reading comics for a really long time, and I thought that Superman was dumb. I thought he was stupid. I thought he was pointless. I was like, even though he can't be beat, you know, he's too powerful. But, you know, all the stuff that everybody has, you know, said at some point or another. And then for whatever reason, I started reading it, and it was something that struck me interesting of, of how Superman kind of sees the world uh, and sees the good in people. And, and it's just a natural thing for him. And it is, uh, I want to just help. I'm not here to solve your problems. I'm not here to solve the problem for you. I'm here to help you solve that problem. You know, and that is what struck a chord with me. Uh, on, a, on a personal level, and it, it just became something that I really wanted to try and emulate. So, uh, and it's it's gotten me in trouble uh, a number of different times. <laughs> um, because well, you I, can't I, wear your underwear on the outside in public. Well, not so much that part. But yeah, that was actually fine and acceptable in, in many states. <laughs> um, but it was it was really more of just. I I don't have an ulterior motive a lot of times for things. I just really want to try and help and. And if I, if I can, and if there's someone I can connect you with and, and be a bridge in some capacity, then, then that's good. Let me do that for you. Because in all honesty, to me, it's really no big deal. I introduce you to so-and-so, and, and, and you take it from there. I'm just trying to open you a door for you. I'm not going to make you walk through it. Um, but that's just, to me, the littlest of something I can do. And if I can help with that, then I would. And, and that's just what it kind of brings to for me. Yeah, because you guys expressed it, and you know, your uh, Justin with your work with Blue Tights, and you know, the, the the way you talk about the franchise and the passion you guys exhibit for the character. I said there has to be something, whether it was you know, my dad gave me this book, and you know, like something like that. So it's nice to see that the stories that you guys can equate to that are symbolic of you being able to relate to that character, not just on. You know, hey, look, he's, a, he's he's the big blue boy scout that flies. You know, like that's not it. You're looking at it as just the 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 message of the character. So you know that 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 was actually a a, a response that shocked me in hearing that because you know sometimes people will be like, hey, why do you like the Punisher? Because he's got fucking guns and he shoots people dead. Yeah. And he's fucking awesome. Yeah, and you know that's I that's hate that so much. That's the canned response. I mean, there's definitely characters that have that kind of glamour to them. I mean, Wolverine has that kind of cool badassness to him. You know, I've always been partial to Gambit because I just thought he was cool except for the trench coat and the weird pink in his outfits, but whatever. You know, as well, you take concept, that away, and what else do you have? Uh, <laughs> you got that awesome stick he beats you down with, and he can throw cards like nobody's business. Um, you know, but for me, it was, again, it was really just aspirational. It's like, you know, Superman is not who I am but it is someone that I can aspire to be, and he's got those kind of qualities that I can aspire to, to, to own as well. Well, it's fu it's funny you reference Wolverine. Yeah, right, like Wolverine is actually one of my favorite characters, and the, primar the primary reason for that is just because he's the littlest guy that has no problem picking the biggest fights. And uh, yeah. that, that, that's that an interesting thing. That's that's I, I can relate to that only because, you know, just from from a lot of personal reasons. But I, I like that. I like the 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 fact that, 
you know, this is the guy that the Hulk will be rampaging a city. He'll light a cigar and he'll be like, go ahead, punch me in the face. Um, I guarantee, you know, I guarantee you that you're going to get hurt just the same. So I, I admire that. He doesn't, I admire the fact that that character is not afraid to get his hands dirty. And I like that. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I like the nobility of, of, of a character like Superman. And I like the, the humbleness, but when you look at, at least in my eyes, when I look at a character like that with real world appeal, it's like Wolverine is a, is a is a is a little guy with a Napoleon complex that backs up everything he says. And you know, I don't have I don't have a Napoleon complex. I don't. But I am I am the first person that when when pushed a certain way will have no problem you know grabbing a chair and hitting someone with it. But but um, that's just that. You know, I, I I can relate to that, and, I, and and Venom also only because of the duality of of Eddie Brock's character, and I can relate Venom's to that as well. Character. I like I like the duality and, and the fact that the physicality and there's some interest there in the in like you said the duality the symbiotic relationship. Venom's a good character. Yeah, I love I, I like I like that. I like the the um the devil on your shoulder approach because that I, mm-hmm. I I go I go through that often in just my daily life and you know some some of the staff you know my fiance can attest like sometimes i'll be like yeah you know this this and this and you know i really thought about doing this and they look at me like you know that's insane right and i'm like yeah but why not because that's that's the kind of approach that i liked for that character i know uh, a friend of mine one of the guys that writes for the site brian uh bronx he, his favorite character spider-man and he's like i'm like why do you like spider-man so much and he's like because you know spider-man's that guy in the struggle and you know he's just trying to make it and he has all these real world problems that i can relate to and i'm like all right that makes sense but for everybody there's that there's that message i know people that tell me they like batman because he's a guy that has no superpowers and a fuckload of money and has no problem going out there and beating himself i just had this conversation i just had that conversation with someone on twitter the other day i i I decided i'm done with people saying that batman doesn't have superpowers because that's a load the dude has, they may be technological, but that dude has superpowers. He has I'm the power so of Ben Franklin. Uh, That's the power he has. <laughs> he's got, he he's has the dollar superpowers. bill. The guy, it's not a simple case of, oh, he has an iPhone and he works out a lot. The dude, like, <laughs> has guns and magically shoot grappling hooks that'll hook on nothing in the sky and he swings across <laughs> the city. He has personal hovering jets he can fly around through the city. Uh, no, he has superpowers. They may be technological and they may be purchased, but he has superpowers. And trying to pretend he doesn't is bull. That's a that's an interesting there, spin on it. Marianne. I, there's Marianne. I call it. I call it. A, no, I call it. I call it. The, like I said, the power of Ben Franklin. Because the the one thing that and you know this goes into movies also. The one thing I enjoyed about the newer Batman films is the grittiness of them saying like, "Hey, this guy has money, and what can this buy me?" You know, like, that's one thing I enjoyed yeah. about uh, Batman Begins. Like, he goes, oh, hey, Lucius, you know, you're working on this tank. And he's like, uh, can I have one of those? Like, who does that? Yeah. But that's, but that's right. the, 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 the power of, not so much the power of him as an individual, but just, it just shows that with the right amount of money, anybody can be Batman. <laughs> that, right. that's fact you know like, that's not true it is not true somewhere right now someone is thinking hey right i can do that i'll save up now well well that, and that's that's why i say batman is quote-unquote superpowered because even if someone could buy the, the car and the jet and the the gadgets 
the way Batman is written, he gets shot and stabbed and thrown <laughs> off rooftops and he gets bitten by Killer Croc and he gets, you know, hit with hallucinogens and the guy is super powered. <laughs> and I don't know, you just, you're never, I've decided this, you're never going to convince me anymore that he's not just because the things that he goes through, a normal person isn't going to be able to survive, no matter how much technology they throw at the problem. Well, it's, Isn't that the whole reason that Kick-Ass was pretty much written and filmed? And, well, yeah, and that and hundred others, right? I mean, Watchmen was yeah. about that in a way. And, well, that, I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been an approach, but it just, you know, he's, like I said, it's not a guy who works out a lot and has an iPhone and knows karate. Like, it's more than that. It's, it's superpowers. Well, here's here's something, and and I, I was going to ask you guys about this, and I looked at my notes, and I said, oh yeah, I can't forget this. Uh, um, have you guys heard or seen a documentary that was on HBO about superheroes? No, I've heard of it. I didn't get to watch it though. Well, well I, I, the um the 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 reason I bring it up is because that the real life that yeah, there, there's a lot of real life parallels to the whole Batman thing, but. In looking at some of these characters, and it was crazy because, you know, Stan Lee popped up, of course, because it wouldn't be a, a superhero documentary without Stan Lee. But the 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 lives that some of these people lead, it's just like they're they're just it goes back to the to the Superman rationale where, you know, they're just trying to help. And you and I and there's some there's some people you see on this show and you're just like, wow, that guy's out of his fucking mind. <laughs> you know, he, he's like, you know, I have a pepper. I have pepper spray and mace and a, and a bulletproof shield and a, and, a, and a baton. And he's walking. He's on patrol. And I'm just like, wow, this guy's really walking on patrol through California yeah, on at 3 a.m. <laughs> walking down the sidewalk. He's not Batmaning across the roof. No, nope. that means <laughs> The the only the only guys I've seen like they had some they had a couple of they had a group of people that were actually like a superhero team here in New York City, and it was weird oh. the way they set it up because they actually were do- going on patrol and they were trying to um, disguise themselves as victims to catch criminals. So wow. so there was there was uh, one superhero, uh, what well, one guy who was a hero. And um, he, he was homosexual, and he had a he had his he had his you know his party gear on, his regular clothes, and he's walking through the streets like waiting and waiting to get you know beaten up or attacked so that they can act. And then they went another they went another night, and uh, the girl on the team she went out playing the role of the victim, and they actually saved like a homeless man that got hit by a car while they were on patrol. But but it's weird because. You look at Batman and you admire all that real world stuff that you think you can do, but in seeing that documentary, I was like, "Holy shit, these guys are fucked up." <laughs> you know, I was. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's people look at Batman and they go, mm, "It's real. It could happen." And I'm like, "No, that is. There's nothing real about any of that. There's yeah. not. I don't know." Those poor. The, the, some of the uh, you guys, if if it's on on demand or something, you guys should check it out. You, it would be a great um. 15 minutes for you guys because there's so many parallels and so many things you guys can can rip apart but i wanted to bring it up because i knew that at some point we'd get into batman yeah we have to make that a special because if there's one thing that i think we've historically proven is that whenever we start going down the comics path you're not going to be 15 minutes oh no that's that's a fact and in 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 the the realm of of batman i wanted to ask you guys um what you guys thought of the the new dc 52 
<laughs> we actually have an episode going up tomorrow that is all about. No, not tomorrow. It'll be later. Okay. About yeah. Tomorrow. Give that one a week. Give that a week. We'll answer that in a week. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. I um the only thing I, I'll say is that um they have no problem getting more sexual this time around. I I talked about an yeah. article that I I wrote I read last week about the uh the Catwoman situation you know the Catwoman and Batman situation yeah. and uh, the situation yeah the the situation but the the funny thing about it was the the division amongst the audiences and I think my only my only parting shot with regards to that was that I said that comic books aren't regulated like they used to be. So, you know, a kid can still go and pick up a Batman comic or a kid, a kid could go on the internet, see like, Oh, you know, Catwoman's like half naked. Let me go pick up this book because it, it, it is what it is. You know, it's a, it's a male, it, it's a still a male driven interest to an extent. I, so, I, nah, I disagree with that last statement. How so? I think more and more. You go, you go to somewhere like a Comic-Con now, and more and more and more, there's a significant population of female readers and participants. Like, it, it, it's not... I, it's probably still majority men, but I, wouldn't, I would say that majority is getting slimmer every single day. It's, I mean, when you go to any gaming or comic book event anymore... It's just women everywhere. I mean, it's not like it used to be even 10 years ago. It's, it's yeah, that's, the audience, the, uh, the female audience is huge now. But that's and not it's only going to get drivers. I still think to an extent it's a still very male-driven uh, Well, okay. Well, well yeah, that's... That's where I was, that's but, where I was going with it. It's, it's, it's male-driven and, and, you know, it, the, the young lady who wrote the article, she was like, you know... You know what, I, Go ahead, John. That's not an excuse, in my opinion. I don't think that's an excuse. I think, you know, you look at Hollywood, and, and it's easy to do TNA, but you've also got men who can do something like Kill Bill. You've got a man like Quentin Tarantino who can tell a story about a woman that isn't, you know, hey, let's get her naked every 10 minutes. It didn't need that. It was telling a good story about a character. And I think that, you know, say, saying it's a male creator dominated um, industry is is an excuse, really. I mean, and uh, granted, my my opinions on female perceptions with regard to comics have changed greatly since I had a daughter. Um, Aha! That, I have it. That I have explains. A now, and I, I I give a shit a lot more now mm-hmm. because you know before I didn't have a lot of reason to. I mean, I was a guy, I was ignorant, and I like looking at boobs, right? Even if they were drawn in a comic book. But That's right. Now, I'm trying to get my daughter into comic books, and I have to think about what I give her, you know? And if I want her to have female heroes and characters that she can look up to as a woman and say, yeah, I want to be a woman like that, the way that I look at Superman and say, I want to be that kind of man, I want her to be able to look at someone like Wonder Woman or whomever and say, I want to be that kind of woman. And there's not a lot of that for her. And that does bother me a little bit. Well, it was funny because when they... Well, it actually bothers me quite a bit. <laughs> when they when they were talking about um, Starfire in the Red Hood, they were talking about the way she was posed, and they were like, you know, she's not posing that way for the male heroes. She's posing that way for the reader. And I thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? I've read enough comics where the girl is just randomly in a way where it's like, hey, look, boobs. <laughs> you know, so... It's, and that's for the reader. 
Yeah, and and it's funny because it, I I looked at that and I you know I've been reading the I, I've been reading the books on on my iPad and I'm like. I'm like, holy shit, she's she's onto something. So, because it's a, the you know the girl went on to to write in the in the article, she's like, you don't see any of the male heroes posed suggestively for the quote unquote female reader, mm-hmm. which is you know I I had to I had to give the credit where credit is due. I'm like, you know what, she she has a point. <laughs> was, uh, who was that? Who wrote that? That was over on Comics Alliance, right? Yes, it was. Yeah, that was a good article. Yeah, I, I, I talked about it in my opening monologue last week because I read it and then I read Catwoman afterwards. And I was like, wow, they're really going at it. Holy shit. <laughs> you know, because it's like you you never sit there and read these books and say to yourself, yeah, you know, Batman gets laid a lot. Like, you don't think about it you, like consciously. You're just like, all right, well, you know, it's, he's it's, rich. It's a question of, I mean... It's the Star Wars test for me. Like, Star Wars didn't need explicit sex scenes to be great, to be brilliant, to define a generation. This and I don't think you need that to define anything. And it bothers me when people think they need to have a sex scene to make it work. If you need to have an, a sex scene where it's like, here are two people having sex, then something's not working, you know? And, I mean, unless you're making a porn, in which case it's working just fine. But... When you're tell, I mean, it's a subtlety issue. Like, there's a, who was it? There was a, there's something I read recently about talking about how back in the day, you know, in film, in the early days of film, you you literally couldn't depict sex. You were not allowed to. So, you know, two characters would kiss or something on a balcony. They'd step inside the room. You'd never see anything. They'd, you'd see them go into the room and then cut to next morning, curtains are blowing and, you know, he's standing by the window and she's getting dressed in the bathroom. You know they had sex, but they didn't have to show you these characters having sex. And it's way right. classier. It tells the exact same thing you need to tell. that They have a physical relationship now. And it didn't make it about the sex. It's about the characters still. And that's what was missing for me in that is, is why make it just here, it's, here's sex, you know, it's like, okay, I can get that on the internet for free if I'm really after it. Well, the, the, the thing that jumped out at me with that, especially with now me seeing it in a, in a few books, is that we've established that, you know, Batman, Batman is getting play. And, and that's great because it's like, all right, you know, these, these women love him, but he never seals the deal. So I laughed at that from a, from a, just a real world perspective. Like, here's this guy that's a millionaire playboy, but they never delve into that side of his relationship. But to go back to what you were saying, there's a little bit more of a, of a classier way to do it. I just felt like when they did it, yeah, I mean, you don't need to like when, when you see in the Batman movies, when you see Bruce Wayne roll up in a Lamborghini and he's got two supermodels in the car, you kind of just assume, yeah, he's probably sleeping with them and you don't need to like see the actual scene, you know? Like, right. There's imagination put it at work. Yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 very picky about that stuff. Well, no, you and well, and, and I agree. It has to story, too. I mean, it has to fit, it has to make some degree of sense to the overall story. And in, if in comics, it makes it hard because these are always situations where there's something going on. There's always some imminent danger happening. You don't have time for that. These are people that are not writing home letters to their mom and dad, if they're maybe Clark Kent, but no one else is writing to their parents. No one else is dealing and trying to solve. You know. You know, eating breakfast or anything like that. You don't see a lot of those types of things going on. They're always in their costume and they're always trying to save, you know, the day. 
and to throw a sex scene in that kind of stuff just kind of breaks breaks it a little bit and doesn't always work. Well, it was weird. Always weird. I was my my first experience in seeing that put out that way was with uh, when the Ultimates came out and Ultimate X Men came out and uh, Wolverine actually you know he slept with Jean Grey and I laughed because I said holy shit it's about damn time but the way it was written and the way it was done was I found it refreshing because they finally wrote Wolverine's character the way he is it's like Wolverine is a violent masochist womanizer you know what i mean like like he's a hero only because of the side he's on but you know he's still a, a bloodthirsty killer that you know likes likes to get laid he's the he's the he's the dirty old man so i i, I like that portrayal of it and i i felt that that was more realistic i also liked what they did and and uh the young lady cited it in her article with spider-man and black cat and they they went into that relationship. I like that as well. It, it would work with Batman more only if they did it where you didn't, you know, no pun intended, you didn't blow your load in the first book. Well, that was the other, I made that point to somebody, I forget who I was talking to, and I was just like, so they've done it in the first book. Any sexual tension those characters could have had gone. is gone. Like, gone entirely like you can't get that back now there's no there's no awkward flirtatious tension anymore it's just oh yeah they've done it who cares you know like i don't know it just felt like a wasted opportunity more than anything yeah that's a that's a story in and of itself well it's like when uh you have those romantic comedies um where the guy and the girl have that ongoing flirtation and then after they actually do do it and they get together everything just tanks that's yeah. a good way to look at it. It's true. You know, and it's like, it's going to be, I mean, sure, it'll be nice to see what the dynamic between the two of them will be now afterwards. Um, but how long can that really go on for? And how, how long can a person really care? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I personally felt it was just not necessary. I think they could have, even if they wanted to have an establishment of that relationship, that they have a physical relationship you know, from the get-go, I think there were way classier ways to do it. This is true. I think, I think but, we've we've reached we've reached a point, and this is this even applies to to gaming, where these taboo subjects that that we that we growing up have considered to be, you know, that 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 no-go zone have become grayer. You know, there's more games with cursing, you know, God of War, you know, Kratos goes, you gotta have sex with girls, uh, hot coffee mod, et cetera, et cetera. We've reached a point where it's pretty much casual. There's no, there's no longer, uh, a respect to what's considered taboo. Like, I remember I worked in a comic store for years and, you know, we had all the adult comics and they were in a nice little section. And I remember I used to read Faust, which was a super ultra violent, uh, comic mm-hmm. book at the time and i was just like all right i can see how we cannot sell this but now it's like i said my concern goes into that area where this isn't as regulated as it used to be so you know a 12 year old kid a 15 year old kid can pick this up and look at it and it, the worst thing that will happen now is a parent will see it and before you know it they'll be sending something to dc or saying something to marvel yeah and that's my concern. No, my concern the parents, for the medium. 
Oh, yeah, I blame the parents, too. I, I, I blame the parents at that point. I mean, if your kid's going to be consuming any media, you should have some kind of an idea of what they're consuming. I mean, you don't have to be a Nazi about it, but, you know, if your kid's into comic books, go to the comic shop with your kid, you know? <laughs> you know, participate in what they're into so that you know what they're looking at. You know if your 14-year-old kid is looking at a Batman Catwoman sex scene, you know, and from then on, okay, we're not buying Catwoman anymore. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I shit on parents a lot on show on, on multiple episodes, not <laughs> only because the new generation of parents, like I liked what John had said where, you know, he's like, hey, I want to know what my daughter's reading. And I'm sure um, with, with your child also, you, you want to be aware of what your child is doing. Like when you guys were talking about birthdays and cars and all the stuff, all the Disney stuff, you guys are are involved in what they're doing. I've, I'm tired of the the various forms of entertainment being made the scapegoats because parents are fucking lazy and they don't want to watch their kids or they they want their kids to be raised by the playstation or by the 360 or by the jersey shore but then when something happens it's the it's the scapegoat it's easy to make that a scapegoat it's like if somebody came to me and said you know what my kid he um he started pretending to be batman and he ended up kicking a kid and and breaking his leg I'd say, were you monitoring what he was doing? Did you tell him, hey, don't try this on your yeah. friend? You know, like like that's yeah. – I, I hate our our interests being bastardized and ruined by people that don't do their homework and don't actively raise their kids. And I'm sure you guys as community managers, when you guys are promoting your games, you're trying to make sure that the right content is getting to the right people so that you don't have to deal with that shit. That's the plan. As much as possible, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it is. A, you know, I don't know. It's yeah. It's the parents' job to establish in their kids the the line between reality and fiction. And the good news is, though, if they're blaming you for society's problems, you're probably going to be just fine in ten years. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, used to, it used to be rock and roll, and now rock and roll is a pervasive part of our society. It used to be, you know, D and D and that kind of stuff, and now the you know, gaming is huge. So, I mean, video games are kind of still growing into that and whatever. You know, Fox News can call Modern Warfare to the end of all society as we know it, but that just means that video games are, are prevalent enough to be blamed. So they're going to be pretty much, you know, a given in 10 years. Oh, yeah, like the old so, days with, Jack, Tom- with uh, Jack Thompson running around like a lunatic. Um, yeah, he got, he got quiet, huh? You know what's funny? I've been trying Hard. to find him. I'd love to talk to him, cause I know, I know it would end I'm terribly. Sure he would on the show. Oh yeah, I'd yeah. love, I'd love to talk to him because I know it would end so terribly <laughs> and so viciously, <laughs> and all that, all that, all that pent up frustration of all the years of his of his fuckery would be addressed on air. <laughs> but um, I'd I'd well, love to well, talk to the guy. You know, that's what he wants, right? I mean, that's that's what he wants. He wants you to do that oh yeah i'd love i'd love to like talk to him and be like you know where'd, where'd this come from that would be an interesting conversation where did the where did the hatred of games come from i'd love i'd love he's to really got it he uh he probably couldn't play first person shooters <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, mean, I, well, I think it's an interesting question it's a legitimate question like if you could sit at the table with him and have that conversation without getting mad I think it's an interesting question to ask him. Like, where, how did this begin? Like, what was the first thing 
in a video game that made you go, whoa, I don't like this. And like, how did you get to this point? Or, or is it legit? You know, is it, is it just attention or, or, you know, what is this? Like, how did it start? I think it's an inter- interesting question for him, but yeah, I'm always interested in like extreme ideas and how they exist. But anyway, we've gone like forever. Yeah. I, uh, I was just about to say, I'm like, holy crap, it's one o'clock. So, um, let me wrap this up. Cause you guys got families and things to take care of, but, of course, uh, 15 Minutes of Game, you can go to 15minutesofgame.com. You can follow 15 Minutes of Game. No, 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 no. It's, no. 50, it's not 15minutesofgame.com? Uh, I have a no, bookmark it, like that. It, it's 15mog.com. Ah, so I better change my bookmark because I have a 50. Ah, because I worded it 15 Minutes of Game. I retract that. Thank you for the correction. Yeah, it's 15mog, so 15mog.com. But and we're also on, uh, we got facebook.com forward slash 15 minutes of game. That's all spelled out. And twitter.com forward slash 15 minutes of game. Uh, Form Spring was mentioned earlier. We're at formspring.me forward slash 15 minutes of game. Oh, and we can't forget Orcs Must Die, October 5th, Xbox Live. October 5th on XBLA and October 12th on Steam. There you Get go. It. Last. Trust Any- me. Yeah, John's already playing it. Nice. Lucky, lucky dog you. Um, is there a. <laughs> Any any anything else? Any closing statements you guys want to make before we wrap it up? Uh, you guys spoke at the same time. <laughs> yeah, no, go ahead, John. You. No, no, sir, please. After you. All I um, said was that Superman is the best hero there ever was. <laughs> that was my that was my closing statement. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I, all right. I, now I feel bad. I should have went first. Uh, thanks for having us on. It was a blast. Uh, <laughs> Agreed. But, Thank you, thank you guys for for what you do for the community, and um, you know whatever you need from us, we are here for you. No, oh, hey, thanks for listening too. By the way, I mean it's we we've got a small group of listeners. It's not we 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 talk about this a lot that we don't have this multi thousand person listenership, and we're actually okay with that. We're speaking to a very small group of people, who, and, and you know we really really appreciate guys like you that like you said you've listened to every episode. That is awesome for us. I mean that's. You know, we, we talk a lot about, are we talking about the right stuff? Are we hitting the right things? Do, you know, do people care about what we're saying? And, and guys like you that are listening every week, it's huge for us. So we really appreciate you tuning in and, and you know, telling people about the show, too. So Yeah, we got... Yeah, we're actually doing something right. There you go. Well, thank you guys for taking the time out of your, out of your schedules and, you know, foregoing some sleep to talk to me and our listeners. No, it was just fun. Uh, yeah, so. All right, guys, take care of yourselves. Cool. Good night. All right, man. See ya. All right, you just heard Weasel and Six OK, or John and Justin, whichever you prefer, and you can find them on fifteen mog. Now that I've changed my bookmark, fifteen mog. dot com. You can also follow them on Twitter at. 15 minutes of game and you can also look for them on on facebook facebook.com forward slash 15 minutes of game i also have them in the favorites on the facebook fan page and uh keep an eye on those guys if you want to learn about community building your brand are looking to start your own website whether it's niche or whether you want to get into the gaming community i'll tell you right off the bat that a lot of the stuff they've talked about is applicable to what we do from whether I want to keep like right now I've been weighing out whether I want to keep the forums 
and the invo- the necessity of community and connecting with your audience has given me that outlook where I can decide if I need the forums only because I have Facebook and Twitter, um, things like that. And they, those guys have been instrumental in, in helping me tighten up uh, a very smooth ship. And of course, you know, our hardworking staff, uh, help us along the way. It's not, even though I'm out here and I talk shit with you guys for three hours and uh, all the posts we do, but you know, slick Andrea Bronx, Josh, they, they step up our partners, Guys like MMA Valor, uh, the crew from MMA Gospel, Spill Bag of Ice, who's in the uh, the chat room. They they're very supportive of what we do, and they they pull no punches in telling us what we should do right, what we should do wrong, and I appreciate that. So I'm not gonna sit here and go into the sob story because we have an hour of show to go. So I am going to sprint to the finish with a couple of things, and with that, I am not gonna recap Raw because. You guys have seen it, so we're going to skip that, and there's no sense in recapping UFC 135, because if you don't know what the fuck happened already, uh, DVR, Torrent, go to a friend's house and figure it out. Sure, I'm, I'm sure you guys are chomping at the bit to hear my take on it, but no. Also, I'd talk about The Ultimate Fighter, but it's, it's going on right now, so I'm going to skip that too, and I will talk about some wrestling, uh, just wrestling news in general. And for that, we are going to actually hit the wrestling intro. The World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. All right. A couple of wrestling news. First off, Jeff Katz Wrestling Revolution has a couple of new members to its team. Uh, first off, Tommy Dreamer uh, from ECW and WWE and TNA is signed on as a producer uh, for for the Wrestling Revolution show, so nice to see a great wrestling mind like Tommy Dreamer. He's you know he's the second he's the second best person to have if you don't have Paul Heyman is Tommy Dreamer, and I think Tommy Dreamer being involved is a huge asset to Jeff Katz Wrestling Revolution. Also involved is Sean Ricker. Sean Ricker will be joining uh, Kevin Matthews, Timothy Th- Timothy Thatcher, Adam Pierce, uh, Trisha Lafay. Uh, Sean Spears, Pat Buck, Joey Ryan, Carl Anderson, Mike Rollins, our friend Amazing Red, Ben Muth, uh, Prince Devitt, Luke Gallows, Sean Davari, MVP, Kenny Omega, Ken Doan, Sammy Callahan, who is fucking awesome, Colt Cabana, who's also awesome, Alex Reynolds, uh, Emil Satosi, and Dr. Luther are already added, and Lance Storm is also a producer on the project. That is actually going to start being filmed next month. If you're on the West Coast, definitely head over to Geek Week Online or look for Jeff Katz on Twitter, and maybe you can check it out yourselves, be part of the studio audience. Definitely a, a great a great project to be a part of, and I am pulling for this to be successful. In some WWE news, WWE has canceled online airings of WWE Superstars. Oh, what a fucking shame. The show will no longer be on WWE.com or YouTube, but will still air internationally. It's reported that the show is being pulled because of declining number of v- of the declining number of viewers and may come back when the WWE Network launches. The funny thing is that people watch NXT and they don't watch Superstars, which is complete horseshit because there's really better matches and a better quality of talent on WWE Superstars. So 
to the fact that nobody's watching that shows that something is really wrong with wrestling fans because there are some really great matches on w on wwe superstars and not so much nxt nxt i actually watched today uh the the newest episode with the usos against uh chaco cena and jtg and just the whole progression of that angle was so subpar and so foolish i didn't even know what to do with myself speaking of the usos one of them got arrested for uh driving under the influence i believe monday night i believe it was jay jay uso that got arrested so it should be interesting to see if they're going to continue the push with them or if that's going to be decreased given that uh, one of the Usos was arrested. Uh, I'm going to be watching that with much interest. In some other wrestling news, Rey Mysterio announced and also mentioned it on it was also mentioned on the PW Insider, but Rey Mysterio mentioned it on Twitter. Um, I'm following him. He put it up in Spanish that he would be having another knee surgery to reinforce his PCL. Uh, he had already done a knee surgery in august and he was supposed to be out for nine months as of right now there's no word on when Rey mysterio will resume action but i don't know i think Rey mysterio is getting to that point where the injury bug is really starting to fuck him up and um i think that in ray's case it may be time it may be time to hang it up i mean you got Sincara and you can bring in a couple of other cruiserweights to carry the banner Rey mysterio's merchandise sells whether he's on tv or not so there may be something that else that can be done with him but i just think that the injuries have really run their course for ray and i'm worried about his longevity in terms of just being a family man and being able to you know tie his fucking shoes every day so we're praying for you ray i wish you a speedy recovery that's going to wrap up the wrestling. We are going to go right into the video game segment. No commercial breaks. Let's start it. All right. On the video game side of things, I posted uh, an article a couple of weeks back about UFC Undisputed 3. There's actually going to be a variety of exclusives you can get depending on where you pre-order it from. If you pre-order it from bum-ass GameStop, which I'm going to have to fucking do, you're going to get four extra fighters, Nick Diaz, Phil Davis, Jason Mayhem Miller, and Brian Stan. If you're not looking for extra fighters and want something different, you can pre-order from Best Buy and you'll get 150 in-game items for custom created fighters if you pre-order from walmart you'll get a ten dollar credit as well as access to the ultimate fights knockout pack which is downloadable content for the game's ultimate fights mode lastly if you pre-order from amazon or future shop you'll get the ultimate knockout artist booster pack which allows you early access to upgrades for the creative fighter mode which would be something that would require hours to unlock so those are your pre-order bonuses for undisputed three you can also check out the article on mytakeradio.com a lot of our fans have really talked a lot about demon souls i haven't played it myself but i've heard nothing but good things atlas usa has announced that they're going to continue to support demon Souls servers through 2012 despite the fact that dark souls is going to be coming out soon this is going to allow players to continue leaving notes for each other or leave warnings to other players as ghosts. This should also there's also going to be a new pure white and pure black world tendency events. So if you are a Demon Souls fan, you'll be able to play on those servers till 2012. 
If you haven't picked up Demon Souls yet, you can probably grab it for about 20 bucks. In some Star Wars news, BioWare and LucasArts have announced an official release date for Star Wars The Old Republic. The game is going to launch December 20th in North America and December 22nd in Europe. In Europe. Uh, Dr. Ray Mizuka, co-founder of BioWare, had the following to say with regards to the release of the game. This is an incredible moment for everyone at BioWare and our partners at LucasArts who have dedicated their lives to build this extraordinary game. We appreciate the patience from the millions of fans who have been waiting for the game's release. In addition to release dates, we also got some subscription details as well. Uh, when you purchase the game, you're going to get it with a 30-day subscription. Once that subscription expires, you'll be able to choose from the following tiers. If you'd like a one-month subscription, it's going to run you $14.99. If you would like a three-month subscription, you're going to have to pay $13.99 a month for that or a one-time charge of $41.97. If you'd like a six-month subscription for the game, it's $12.99 a month, and you're going to get a one-time charge of $77.94. Now, I'm sure many of you are excited for this game, but just, just think about this for a second. You are going to pay $60 for a title, an MMO title, and then you're going to pay $12.99 a month. So that's $77 plus the $60 for the game. Let, let's do some math here. 77 and then you got 60 it's going you're spending $137 on this game to play it for 6 months i just want to put that number out there only because while i like the the mmo dynamic and i like to see it coming to consoles the cost to own for this title is ridiculous not to say that mmos don't have a place but just think about that from the point of view that you just spent 60 bucks on the game now if you told me hey the game is going to be 40 bucks and we're going to do five dollars a month uh for uh six month subscriptions and then $10 for three months and 15 for one month, then that makes sense. But you're actually only decreasing each subscription tier by a dollar, which is, which is insane just because the cost to own afterwards is, is exponentially higher. I, I like the concept, like I said, of the MMO. I like what DC Universe Online is doing with free-to-play, which actually starts in October. And I like where they're going with the free-to-play tier. And if you want to continue it, you can. But you can still enjoy the game without having to lay out that kind of money. I don't know. I, I think MMOs on consoles are going to be very sketchy. I wanted to share a, an interesting survey that I read earlier today. From a company called Interpret LLC, they're a research firm, and they conducted a survey on 3D gaming. This particular article has made its way through a couple of sites, and I wanted to talk to you guys about it. Um, the survey in regards to 3D gaming says that gamers generally prefer not to use 3D when playing. Almost a third of those surveys think that so those surveyed, excuse me, think that 3D detracts from the overall gaming experience. That survey asked 1,600 adults if they knew the 3DS existed, and 60% said yes, 28% knew it didn't require glasses. Of those that have played the 3DS, 28% said that the 3D detracted from the experience, as opposed to the 22% who thought it was an improvement. 13% said they would prefer to play with the 3D completely turned off. In addition to that, 56% of the respondents said they prefer 3D through a console and television setup. Only 7% preferred a handheld device. 
People who experience nausea or dizziness from 3D rose 7% from last year to 37%. Now, I, I wanted to share this with you for a few reasons. Um, like I've said it before. I bought my sister a 3DS, and my sister loves uh, her DS, always has, loves taking photos, loves recording, loves playing uh, first-party titles, Mario, uh, ga- Sonic games as well, the occasional Disney game. But I've realized that since my sister's nonverbal and I personally wasn't aware of the 3D uh, affecting her because she is nonverbal, I decided to play the – I decided to just shut off the 3D on her handheld and I tell her, you know, don't touch it. And she doesn't because in looking at it, I know that she wouldn't be able to tell me, hey, I I can't see it clearly or, hey, it's making me sick. And – in looking at this survey, I, I can understand where people really don't give a fuck about it. Because at least when you're playing it on your television, you know that you need the glasses and there's a setup that's required. And while you don't need the glasses for the 3DS, I don't think that the enjoyment of the games is is directly influenced by the 3D aspect. I think that there are great 3DS games that are out, like Star Fox, um, you know, Street Fighter was done well. But I just think that the 3D gimmick was exactly that, a gimmick. I don't think that it was really necessary to sell any type of a game, only because you can enjoy those games without that. And to see that many people, you know, 1,600 adults, so so strongly opposing 3D use in a handheld, it makes you wonder that if Nintendo really was smart in taking a gamble on 3d technology without glasses because frankly i wouldn't give a fuck if you want to show technology without glasses do something with your televisions because that's a bigger medium and there's more profit to be made there versus trying to do it with games where the return on investment is so minimal because of the console and using that as your selling point because right now you look at the ps vita they looked at multiple things and multiple enhancements that make the system appealing none of those involve 3d or any type of crazy gimmicks yeah the multi-touch is there and all that stuff but that's just because your fingers are already on the console and you can put them to use i'm you know i i really don't see this whole 3d gimmick lasting any further than this 3ds console and i wouldn't be surprised if they did a a 3ds and called it something different and released it without the 3D because I just don't see it as a major selling point. Let me not beat this up anymore. I realize we got half an hour to go. Uh, id Software's creator, Tim Willits, gave some details on the upcoming game, Rage. I'm sure some of you guys are going to love these uh, requirements to play it. The Xbox 360 version of Rage will come on three discs with the option to install the game to your hard drive. All three discs would take up a total of 22 gigs. I'm just putting that out there because I know some of you may still have smaller hard drives. 22 gigs to install the game. If you're playing it on the PS3, it's going to be on one Blu-ray disc, but it's going to require an 8-gig install. Meanwhile, the PC version of the game will require 25 gigs of space for installation. Nice hefty numbers there, so if you are picking up Rage, I would recommend you start clearing out some free space on your hard drives. In some Gears of War 3 news, uh, two things regarding Gears of War in the news this week. First off, Cliffy B 
gave some details regarding the Gears of War DLC um, while posting on NeoGAF via IGN. Blazinski said that he wasn't. He stated that the new content that's going to be coming out is going to not feature the original cast. The original DLC content that's coming out will not focus on Marcus, Dom, Cole, or Baird. It won't be the graphic novel either, but it will have a new campaign, which may have Michael Barrick and some other characters, but not the core four that we know from the existing Gears franchise. Very interesting direction, I have to say, with the DLC going in that direction. I don't know how I would personally take it. I like the main campaign, but if it's something that enhances the story and gives some new characters some life, not only that, but probably can open the door to continuing the franchise i'll i'll use a wait and see approach in addition to that microsoft announced that gears of war 3 has sold over 3 million units within the first week according to the press release they put out it has already grossed more than any 2011 video game to date overall the gears of war series has made a billion dollars in sales for my fighting game fans i am Sad to tell you that you will not be picking up King of Fighters 13 in October. It is now set to release November 22nd, so please mark your calendars for that. For those of you excited for Battlefield 3, EA, along with Virgin Gaming, has announced a new contest that they're working on, which is going to be the Battlefield 3 Worldwide Conquest Tournament, set to begin in early 2012. Thus far, they haven't given a lot of information out, but the competition is going to be taking place online, and it's going to lead to a live finale where the winner is going to receive $1.6 million. So if you love first-person shooters and you're really excited for Battlefield, tighten up that game because you may be able to get yourself $1.6 million, courtesy of EA and Virgin Gaming. Lastly, to wrap things up on the gaming side of things, there's been a, a, a strong, strong, strong rumor that Xbox Live is going to be getting the live TV service sooner rather than later. According to Bloomberg, they are citing people with knowledge on the situation saying that Comcast and Verizon are going to be partners with Microsoft, but they're also working on signing deals with Time Warner, HBO, Sony Pictures, Crackle Streaming Service, NBC Universal's Bravo, and the Sci-Fi Channels, as well as Love Film UK which is a subsidiary of Amazon. Basically, what they want to do is they're going to take all your two dozen providers, uh, these two dozen providers, they're going to try and give you music, sports, movies, and TV shows for U.S. and European subscribers. Now, the, the cool thing about it is that if you're a Comcast or a Verizon subscriber, you'll probably do like they do with HBO Go, which is that you will need to show proof that you are a paid subscriber and you'll be able to access those services. I can attest to that working very well because I use HBO Go and Cinemax Go exclusively, and all I have to do is put in my Verizon Fios login, and I'm able to use those programs without any problem. So it'd be interesting to see Microsoft become a centerpiece of home theater. What I really am curious to see is what type of, uh, if any, DVR functionality they'd consider doing only because the hard drives on your consoles are obviously very small. On the PS3, it's totally different because you can change the, the hard drive, but on the 360, not so much. And between game saves and, and music, there's really not that much room to put so many TV shows, especially if you want to go HD with it. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this develops in the coming weeks. 
the big thing that they're saying is that it's going to be launching probably November 15th, which November is always a big month for Microsoft. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see that. All right. Let's get right into the movie news. Let's open up the movie news with something that I'm sure many of you will be annoyed about. The Star Wars Blu-ray release has been a huge success. According to Variety, the Star Wars Complete Saga sold over 1 million copies in its first week, setting a record for the Blu-ray format. The 9-disc set earned over 84 million co- over 84 mi- excuse me, over 84 million dollars worldwide, 38 million in the US alone. Uh, 515,000 units were sold in North America. It's the number one pre-order and catalog title since Blu-ray launched in 2006. Now, the reason I said this would annoy so many of you is because of all the changes that Lucas did to the Star Wars releases and the fact that regardless of the changes that were made, it is the number one selling Blu-ray, period. Now, this poses a question of, with all this money that Lucas has made off of this, is there a possibility that people may see the original trilogy on Blu-ray? Or will they even see it in its original form and not a double dip? I think with $84 million and $38 million from U.S. sales alone, I think George Lucas isn't going to give a collective shit about any of the gripes that the fans have. And on the contrary, he may just re-release it when the 3D Star Wars movies come out and re-release a 3D version, which will probably sell just as much, if not more. I think, um, I see what, what Dark Helmet was saying in there, and it's true, you're probably never going to see the original Star Wars, but uh, the Star Wars 3D is happening, and I believe he's supposed to be releasing those starting next year. So 3D versions will probably be the next box set that he will continue to rate people's pockets with. In some G.I. Joe retaliation news, it looks like they're going to bring back Cobra Commander, but as of right now, it's suspect if Joseph Gordon-Levitt will reprise the role since he is filming The Dark Knight Rises, so it appears that someone else is, is, is tapped to take over the role. Melinda Sullivan has been rumored to be in the film. Um, they, has, they haven't stated if she's going to play Baroness. Obviously, the original actress that played her is not going to be doing it. Also, they cast uh, Kendra Andrews, Travis Wong, and Galen Hooks as well, who have worked with John Chu, the director, previously. The roles they are playing have not been revealed as of yet. Um, I'm actually looking forward to G.I. Joe Retaliation just to see where they're going to take this franchise because there's a couple of directions they can go with all these characters and by bringing in you know, the hard master and focusing more on Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, it almost feels like everybody else is is an ancillary character versus the movie the movie uh based on the entire team i'm concerned with that though because there's so many great stories in the gi joe mythology that it shouldn't just be about snake eyes and storm shadow so hopefully they'll do a better job than the first one the first one i found it to be a passable action flick but i just felt that it didn't do the the franchise itself justice i felt it was more gi joe in name 
and not so much in the message that the original shows and the comics put out. That's just my opinion, but we'll see what happens with this second one. It's been announced that Carl Urban will be returning to the Riddick universe, according to Bloody Disgusting. Carl Urban will reprise his role as necromonger Vako in the third film, uh, titled The Chronicles of Riddick, Dead Man Stalking. As of right now, they actually have a plot synopsis for the film, which is as follows. Betrayed by his own kind and left for dead on a desolate planet, Riddick fights for survival against alien predators and becomes more powerful and dangerous than ever before. Soon, bounty hunters from throughout the galaxy descend upon Riddick, only to find themselves pawn in his greater scheme for revenge. With his enemies right where he wants them, Riddick unleashes a vicious attack of vengeance before returning to his home planet of Furia to save it from destruction. So, we'll see what the deal is with that. I'm actually looking forward to a third pitch black film i like the second one and i kind of like the direction where it was going i definitely feel that riddick's character needs to revert to being more cold and calculating i think the amount of a, of emotion that he showed in the second one was a hindrance to the character while it was good for the story itself it just hindered the overall dark past of the character so super pumped for the third one i'm glad carl urban is coming back and they're keeping some continuity there during some recent promotion for Moneyball, Brad Pitt said that Quentin Tarantino is working on a sequel or uh, or possibly a prequel for Inglorious Bastards. When asked about the scar on his character's neck, Brad Pitt replied, Tarantino said it would never be explained in Inglorious Bastards, and if he does, what he called a prequel slash sequel, then will reveal it. He talks about a sequel, but he's got several things percolating. Obviously, Tarantino right now is working on Django Unchained with Jamie Foxx, but the one bit of news that came out of this that made me extremely happy is that he is also working on the next installment of the Kill Bill franchise. So there you go. Kill Bill, possibility, prequel to Inglorious Bastards, a possibility that makes this guy very happy. Film District, the studio behind Drive and Rum Diary, is actually signed on to release the remake of Red Dawn. According to the LA Times, the studio is going to release the film in 2012. This remake stars Chris Hemsworth, Josh Peck, Josh Hutcherson, Adrian Palicki, Isabel Lucas, Connor Cruz, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. It pretty much follows the basic plot of the original film, except this time the invaders of, of the U.S. are being presented as North Koreans. So you can be on the lookout for that in 2012. In some video game to movie news, Lionsgate announced earlier this week that Dead Island will be coming to the big screen. Lions, Lionsgate's Joe Drake said the following, Like hundreds of journalists and millions of fans who were so passionate and vocal about the Dead Island trailer, we too were awestruck. This is exactly the type of property we're looking to adapt at Lionsgate. It's sophisticated, edgy, and a true elevation of a genre that we know and love. It also has built in brand recognition around the world and franchise potential. I don't understand the huge fascination with Dead Island, and I can go into a, a big tangent about it, but I just it's it's zombies on an island. It's no different than zombies in Manhattan, zombies in Brooklyn, zombies underwater, running zombies, swimming zombies, uh, zombies that do the Bruck Up, zombies that do the Harlem Shake. I mean, seriously, you're, you're making it seem like they're reinventing the wheel with Dead Island. I honestly don't see it that way. I just feel it's a movie 
about zombies on a fucking island. That's it. Why don't you just do zombies on a plane? It, it, it makes no sense to me that that they're looking at it like it's such a, a huge, grandiose uh, undertaking than usual. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's stupid. I think it's stupid that they would... Like I said, I don't mind that they want to bring something like this to the silver screen. I have no qualms about that. My gripe is the fact that they're making it seem like it's this whole revolutionary, sophisticated, edgy, and true elevation of the genre. What elevation of the genre is there? It's zombies on a fucking island. What elevation is there? If you told me it was zombies in space that were smart, then maybe. Or, why don't you, or zombies from space. Why don't you do zombies from another planet that instead of eating humans, eat pets? And want to make humans uh, their slaves. Why don't you do something like that? And the, the zombies are forced into the cannibalism because they've eaten all the cats and dogs of the world. Give me something different. You're telling me that zombies on a fucking island is edgy and different? Why don't you, why don't you give me zombie mermaids? That'll be something different. How about this? How about we do zombie centaurs that eat only midgets? Come on, man. Like, I understand you have to sell a project, but don't discuss, don't sell a project to your audience like they're fucking idiots. That's all I gotta say. I'm sure Dead Island will come out, millions of people will watch it, it'll make some money, and we'll move on. Wash, rinse, and repeat. It's not innovative. It's not. And anyway, you know, running zombies was innovative, quote unquote. Um, zombies on broadcast television with uh, The Walking Dead. That's slightly innovative. But at the end of the day, audiences are just going to go in there like fucking sheep. Because, oh, it's based on a fucking game. It's the same tired shit we've seen. You want to see a zombie movie with zombies on a fucking island? Look for Lucio Fulci's Zombie. Z-O-M-B-I. It's actually supposed to be coming out on Blu-ray. You want to see zombies on a fucking island? Done right. Watch that shit. Seriously. You want to do something? You want to impress me? Do a zombie porno where the zombies come out of the ground and rape people. I want to see a giant, fat, burly zombie fucking get out of the ground and rape a corporate executive that's running for his life. Give me... You want to do something silly? You want to do something edgy? Give me something different. Different. Not zombies on a fucking island. Don't insult my intelligence. In some sequel news, guess what we're getting? Wanted 2 seems to be moving forward. Derek Haas and Michael Brandt adapted the 2008 original. And Haas recently tweeted that him and uh, that Michael and himself were hired by Universal to write Wanted 2. According to The Wrap, Haas stated that the sequel has no director, but the storyline will take off after the events of what just happened. It's going to follow Wesley a few years later, who goes back in for another round. As of right now, they're saying that McAvoy will reprise his role as Wesley Gibson, but Morgan Freeman and Angelina Jolie will not be back. They've also said and, uh, via Twitter that Wanted 2 will be foxless and loomless, which means obviously Fox, Angelina Jolie's character, and the loom, the mystical device that dispensed the assassination targets. Not happening. I don't, I don't want to classify this as what-the-fuck movie news, but I kind of want to. And it's Warner Brothers preparing to do an epic, 
they had to use that word, an epic adaptation on the life of Moses. With Steven Spielberg being looked at to direct the film, which will be called Gods and Kings. I thought this was a big joke, you know, because we have uh, the Jewish holidays going on and they're going to do an epic of Moses and Steven Spielberg's involved. I really thought that somebody was jerking my chain, but it seems to be legit. They want to do a, an epic adaptation of Moses. The, you've raped the comic book genre. You've raped the cartoon genre. You've raped the remake genre. Now we're just going to open up the Bible and put our finger on whatever comes to mind. And we're going to use the word epic to describe it. You can't do, you can't outdo the Ten Commandments. I don't give a shit if it was done with special effects that were drawn by five-year-olds. The Ten Commandments is a movie that has stood the test of time. And I'm not even saying it from a religious standpoint. I'm saying it from the standpoint of of high cali- high caliber acting that's what went on in that movie yule fucking brenner well that's all i gotta say yule brenner yule brenner is the truth i think yule brenner was the baddest motherfucker in hollywood when those movies were out because you see yule brenner in the 10 commandments you see him in westworld and when you look at him you're like yo that dude can beat my ass Yul Brenner was what every action hero aspires to be. They want that same charisma, that same commanding presence. Yul Brenner was that guy. And I just don't think that they can capture that that same shit. And, you know, I like what Spilled Bag of Ice mentions mentions Charlton Heston. And it's true, Charlton Heston is the fucking man from, from, you know, all the great movies he's done throughout the years. He's an actor's actor. But I always felt that Yul Brenner kind of got overshadowed by Charlton Heston. Yul Brenner in a, in himself was, was such an awesome actor. I also like that Dark Helmet says that Samuel L. Jackson should play Moses, which leads me to, these are the motherfucking commandments, motherfuckers! Look at these tablets! These motherfuckers are heavy! They're heavy! The burning bush talked to me! It talked to me, motherfucker! Read this tablet! I can't, I can't. I'm probably going to hell for that, but come on. Sam Jackson... I. Dark Helmet gets it today. He is the fucking winner. Samuel L. Jackson as Moses. And Dave Chappelle as the Pharaoh. I ain't letting none of these motherfuckers out. I ain't doing it. Fuck you. I don't care if your staff turns into a snake. Snake, 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 snake. <laughs> Alright, it's getting really fucking late. I can't. I <laughs> Ah, Slick comes in. I'm tired of these motherfucking snakes in my motherfucking pyramid. Ah, I can't. I I can't do it. I I hate you guys for taking me down this path. I can't. All right. Deadline is reporting that New Line Cinema is officially moving forward with the reboot of the Mortal Kombat franchise. Uh, Kevin Tancherowen, who did Mortal Kombat Rebirth short films, are is actually going to be directing the reboot of Mortal Kombat. I'm actually very excited to see this, obviously because our friend Michael Jai White was involved, and they really were going with a different approach for it, and those shorts just, they whet everybody's appetite. I think that going with the reboot and letting uh, Kevin Tancherowen do it the way he envisioned it should really give a breath of fresh air to the series, and I'm, I'm pumped. 
It's going to start shooting in 2012, and it'll be released in 2013. So that actually is going to wrap up the movie news. And with that, we actually have 10 minutes of show left. So let's just get all the formalities out of the way and take this home. You've just heard My Take Radio, episode 109, for Thursday, September 29th, 2011. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR, whether it's a live show or for our interview series, MTR Behind the Mic and MTR Beyond the Mic, feel free to send me an email, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash mytakeradio. You can also follow my Twitter account, twitter.com forward slash mtr underscore rich. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio. We are nearly at 1,600 fans. Let's, let's keep it going. I'd like to welcome all the new fans that are there. If you recently started listening to the show, take a moment, stop by the forums, introduce yourselves. There's a lot of great conversation in there. Not only the four topics we cover, but gaming, technology, lifestyle, uh, appreciation of the female form. You know, if you want to just go in there and, and say, hey, this chick has awesome boobies, there's something in the forums for everybody. So mytakeradio.com slash forums. Make sure to check out our Amazon store. You can just check out the My Take Radio um, Amazon store tab on MyTakeRadio.com. And you can also pick up your MTR merchandise by clicking the MTR, the MTR store tab on MyTakeRadio.com as well. Lastly, you can find us on Formspring. If you got any questions there then that don't warrant an email, you can ask them on Formspring.me forward slash MyTakeRadio. You can get the MyTakeRadio app for your Android or iOS device, either for iOS devices, obviously from iTunes. For Android devices, you can go to AppBrain. We have the app there. We also have the app on Amazon's App Store and also via the Android Marketplace. Both places have it for $1.99. It's cheaper than a cup of Starbucks. Um, you get access to exclusive content, including the two interview series, My Take Radio Behind the Mic and My Take Radio Beyond the Mic. In addition to that, there'll be other exclusive content available for those subscribers. If you don't want to spend the $1.99 but still want to have MTR with you, you can also check out the Stitcher app, stitcher.com slash mytake, which if you put in mytake in the promo code box, you have the opportunity to win a $100 gift card courtesy of our friends at Stitcher. That's going to wrap it up. Oh, I, before I forget, you can also find MTR on the Zune Marketplace, uh, Blueberry, and also on Mixler as well. You can listen to the Mixler feed on our Facebook fan page by clicking live on Mixler on the left side. That's going to wrap it up. Taking us out this week, ah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting mix of music that I have this week, but I'm going to go with uh i think we're gonna go out with epic nes this week and their castlevania's their their castlevania interpretation so epic nes castlevania taking us out i'll catch you guys next week thank you all for listening make sure to check out 15mog.com or 15 minutes of game on twitter or also look for them on facebook facebook.com slash 15 minutes of game all spelled out i'll see you guys next week Peace.
before I forget, take us out, Chappelle. Come with me.